Let's go down to ringside. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode and is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. This is episode number 186, and it is Monday, July the 27th, 2020. We are here to romp you through the world of retro wrestling yet again. As always, I'm Joe Murata. I'm joined by Michael Quinn. How you doing, Michael? Howdy-doody. Howdy-doody, Michael. How's yes. everything going lately? It's good. My mic's on. It's your, great. <laughs> yes, your mic is on. And folks, thank you so much for turning us on here as we romp you through the world of retro wrestling we have some topics in store for you in a little bit here, but before we get to anything, first of all, hope everyone's doing okay out there as we trudge through the summer of 2020, uh, but if you want some great clips, there's a great place to follow us. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called Twitter. Twitter.com slash web. Yeah, Twitter.com slash web. You just follow us there at OVP Podcast. What you're going to get are dozens of clips per day. Literally, and it's on this day type of stuff. Some of the stuff is rare. Some stuff is obviously pretty famous clips, but it's a great place for clips, Quinn. It's the clips place, uh, Twitter slash clips. Twitter slash clips at OVP podcast. With Clippy. With Clippy, of course, our assistant. And you can also email us at OVP podcast at gmail.com. That is OVP podcast at gmail.com. But Quinn, we've got the clips, we've got the email, but there's a great place to talk to you and me and hundreds of other retro wrestling fanatics about retro wrestling. Where is it? It's over at uh, Facebook.com slash fanatics. Yes, fanatics. It's got all the fanatics, the the, the crazy ones, the, yep. the people who are like, wrestling's good. I like all my children, all that stuff. <laughs> all my children. It's a, it's a great site, um, and you know how you get there. No. There's a search bar. Oh, okay. And you type our vantage point dash retro wrestling podcast. Bing, bang, boom, tubes, gore, kaflui. Operator standing by. You just hit the join and you're in. That's all you have to do is punch the button. Greg, and then yep. you're in. And once you're in the group, we have one principal rule. It kind of is an umbrella rule. It encompasses your behavior expectation, which is don't be what, Quinn? A dingus. Don't be a dingus. If you don't know what that means, just think for a second about it, and before you type that post, say to yourself, self, am I being a dingus? If you're being a dingus, don't put Just delete it. It's okay. We don't dingus over there. We're just nice to each yeah. other is what it means. You can disagree about wrestling, of course, but no personal attacks and things of that nature. Just keep it fun and very, positive. Very non-dingus. Very very non-dingus zone yes, there on that's Facebook. How, that's how I would describe it. It's non-dingus. So if you want to be a part of that, go right ahead. It's over on Facebook. And later on, I'm going to give you some detailed info, but we do have a Patreon. The reason we have that before you grunt and groan about it is not to try to get rich and not to try to rip you off. Uh, it's simply to give you guys more content if you want to support us. And on there, on the $5 tier, which is the highest tier that we even offer, it's just 5 bucks a month, you get everything. And that includes the pay-per-view reviews. Out right now is Quinn's personal favorite, SummerSlam 90. You loved it. Yeah. It was it was a show, all right. And coming out for August is going to be Survivor Series ninety. Two two in a row. Two in a row. Great, for you. great. But you can get our thoughts on Survivor Series ninety next month, SummerSlam ninety now, and every prior pay per view starting at the first WrestleMania for just five bucks over on patreon.com slash OVP podcast if you want to join. But Quinn, as we're midway through the season now, I've I've been liking this uh, opening segment we've been doing. You know, in in retro wrestling's history, Michael, a lot of times we'll get a young rookie, right? Yeah. A fresh face. A young you man. Young lady, maybe. Young lady, perhaps. A blue chipper, maybe. Uh-huh. Someone highly touted. A prospect. Yes. And they will make their way through the ranks. 
And sometimes these folks do very well for themselves. Your Chris Jericho's, mm-hmm. Rocky Maivia, mm-hmm. Steve Austin, Brock Lesnar. Other times, though, these hot new sensations kind of fizzle out and cool off. They don't quite work out the way you want. It's very upsetting. And that is the up-and-comers that never came. sentimental you know mm-hmm. it could be sad so quinn this is actually a request believe it right. or not from a fellow by the name of jose corona jose corona now i like this request i like this request because I, I was going to do this one yeah anyway. we wanted to do this I one was, i think i was pushing for <laughs> you this were. one and it is requested so thank you jose it is das wunderkind alex wright yes alex wright mr dancy dance <laughs> He's mr awesome. berlin mr i'm a young baby i'm a young baby young, young, today always oh, the youngest or whatever remember <laughs> now he was now so alex wright folks you probably know from one of two things either the goofy guy with the leather jacket that did the dance mm-hmm. or berlin and we'll get to both of those things but alex wright truly was a young up-and-comer when he joined wcw in late '94, right, he was 19 years old. Yeah, I. Do you know where? Like, where was he taught? Like, how? Like, how did this come to be? Because they didn't really say. Like, they just said, "Oh, he's from Germany." Like, vaguely. Don't like. How right. did? How did? How does one come to be like this? Actually, pretty talented professional wrestler at age 19. Great question. Well, Mr. Alexander Wright, which is his real name, was trained by his dad, who was a British professional wrestler. Now they oh. are German. It's like German uh-huh. British or whatever, right? They, he grew up in the German. He grew up in the Germany, and he actually, because Europe debuted when he was 16 in 1991. Right, because that, that's the kind of, <laughs> as we know in Europe, seeing all this stuff, you're allowed to wrestle in your underpants yeah. at age like 12 for it's, some reason. It's, like, it's real. Just like, yeah, whatever. Or like the kid in the Hart family that was like nine. It's like, what? stop. I, what is it like? Is the mentality like outside the U.S. like we got to toughen them up early Probably. or something? It's, yeah. like, <laughs> it's, like, it's like throw them in there, get started. Right. So anyway, yeah, he wrestled for a couple of years over in Europe and then WCW brought him in in uh, mid-late 94. I think they actually discovered him on that German tour in 94, the one where Cactus's ear fell off. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> that, Vader. that actually makes sense. So, WCW, the one thing I would say that they were noted for, like, sometimes they would just find the weirdest shit, like, when they would go on tour and stuff. Like, like Glacier. <laughs> like, WF was usually looking at, like, oh, who are the top guys we can pick up? Sure. Like, but WCW is more like, oh, who, who, who's nobody's ever heard of these people? <laughs> right. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, let's just give them a shot, right? And I don't blame them for giving them a shot. I mean, 19 years old, you got a lot of potential there. So he came in in '94. His first big feud, uh, and he won this feud, Starcade '94. You know who he beat? No, Jean Paul Levesque. Levesque. Oh, no. One, two, get one it. Up. Might know better as Triple H. Yeah, you know what's weird is the early days of Alex Wright. He wasn't, you don't really think of it because he wasn't as featured or something. Like, I feel like he was more. It was very WCW pro. Yeah, by the time we got to like 95, like he was very like known at that point. Because I guess because it was just repetition, right? He'd just been on like, he was on like every show. Oh, I saw him all the time. I was watching WCW. Sure. Yep, pro, worldwide. Nitro. He's (laughs) on like everything. So in 1995, his first misstep, and this is a pretty infamous and funny match, is he fought Paul Roma at a Super Brawl in uh, February 95. Mm -hmm. And Paul Roma was there to put him over. 
because well, that's it, what Paul he, Romo was doing by 95. He, he should. Right. He's not really up and coming at that point anymore. He's just like, <laughs> right. you, it, He's didn't, Paul Roma. it didn't work, man. Right. <laughs> we put you in the horseman, like, yeah. what? <laughs> now, Roma did lose, but uh-huh. along the process, he just completely went into business for himself and put himself over and made himself look good. It's very entertaining, but it's also very unprofessional. Alex Wright in a tough spot here. So that didn't help, but nevertheless, uh, Wright recovered, I guess. He righted that wrong, if you will. He was good at righting the wrongs. He was good at righting the wrongs. And he continued on through 1995, like you said, very on television. Maybe yeah. never anything really important in 95, but very on television. Whenever he would appear, there's a weird thing going on with Alex Wright, I always thought, right? He's got the up-and-comer kind of baby face push. Yes, absolutely. But there's also this, like, he actually shows you real talent. He was like, talented. That's not, it's not the usual, like, oh, this guy's a young up-and-comer. He's doing, like, arm work the whole time and, like, sometimes a power move or whatever. It was like, no, he's, like, flipping and flopping, yeah. and he can wrestle technical, too, and he's doing all sorts of stuff, and he looks impressive, and he's tall, and Six he's good-looking or whatever. He like, was, and, the, and you know what? With the leather jacket and the dance, yeah. at least the dance and the music are awesome. I don't care what anyone says. So he, and it he, stood out. Right. He just looks like the five-tool guy, right? Like even In a way. A little bit more than your usual up-and-comer is what I would say. I would say the only thing he couldn't really do is cut a promo because of the German accent. And right. He, he didn't have the best English at the time. Hey, man. Here's Alex Wright. If you want to have high-flying acrobatics and total wrestling action, pick me, and I show you what Alex Wright is all about. Hey, man. Nevertheless. So here's the thing is WCW at the time, um, you know, I always felt they were a little more aware of international audience even more than WF because maybe that's the best they could do. Maybe. I don't know about that, but okay. I, I, I just mean to say, like, in Europe and stuff, like, they, they were pretty good with that shit. Perhaps. Um, and I noticed that they always let him cut promos in German. Hey, man. You well, know? I mean, it's his native language. You right. might as well have him speak right. it. So he kind of just had these feuds that went on throughout 95 and 96. Nothing major, but he was he was there, right? Right, yeah. In 1997, though, in the spring of 97, he decided to <laughs> start turning heel for reasons in storyline. Right. Like, he would do the dance, but, like, in a mocking way. You remember that? Remember yeah. his heel turn? Yes. <laughs> he, he, he turned heel. It was, like, kind of sudden. It was. It was just like, out of nowhere. And, and um, I remember that he got a leather coat. That was like at first, right? And then he went into this whole thing with like Deborah. Deborah, you remember a couple nights ago when you whispered in my ear? Remember? Right. Yeah, so we had Deborah with him. Right. Because of the Mongo feud. Right. So somehow he got like absorbed into because I all I remember is like he made a save or something. He like helped Jeff Jarrett or, or Why would you do that? I don't know why he would either, but you know what? All of a sudden like Deborah was managing him. And there was like I remember there was a lot of like you know how they're how it is on WCW programming where they just talk about stuff and yes. you have no idea if it has anything that is if it's real it's or whatever. Yeah. I just remember a lot of the times on like Saturday night or whatever, like there was suggestions that like Deborah maybe liked him better right, than, yeah. than Jeff Jarrett. Jar- Jar- Jeff Jarrett. Sorry, yeah. Jarrett, yeah. And I, I, I don't know why she would, because Jeff Jarrett, like, as much as we hate him, he was going to get the push, not Alex Wright. But, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it was just a weird thing. And also, like, Deborah was still the, like, beauty queen version, which was, mm-hmm. like, part of the Mongo thing. But she's, it didn't, it, I I don't know. It's WCW. But what I got to say, say, I got to say the one thing that was good here is that 
Alex Wright needed to be involved in something that was sure. more Nitro related and uh, not oh yeah. um, WCW Pro related. I agree with you. In fact, he actually on the July 28th uh, Nitro, and maybe people forget this because it wasn't that long. He defeated Chris Jericho to win the Cruiserweight title. Right. So there was a this, couple of weeks. There was this point where he won. He won a couple of titles, I want to yes, say. He like he, he won the Cruiserweight title, like you in said. In the summer. And he won the TV title at one point, right? He did. He defeated Ultimo Dragonford in August. Right. First of all, <laughs> during that point in time, winning the Cruiserweight or TV title, I felt like they were both like the same belt just like dip, it yeah because ultimo dragon with the tv it just <laughs> it, it was just it was that was fairly normal back then and you know what that really was what um i always at least maybe this this is the only thing i can think of is that it was overflow from the cruiserweight yeah, division right there was like so many of them they were like well fuck it we'll just say some of them weigh enough yeah. and they can win the tv title right because we have so many guys and i think we could both agree both of those belts are more important than the u.s title at that period they of were, time they I, were that was the thing it's like okay just on an aside, at first they were like letting the more cruiserweight guys win the U.S. title, like Eddie Guerrero. Yeah, and then like they just settled on this like, well, only like the second guy that maybe might make it to the main event, but never really does, can win the U.S. title. Like yeah. it, it was like when you won the U.S. title, you were like locked into this like zone where it's like, well, I can't get into the main event because NWO. Well, yeah, you, so you know what I mean. Like WCW in a nutshell, actually, yeah. for a few years, uh, and then he, the Deborah thing ended towards the end of '97, and then we have the Dancing Fools era, which is right. Alex Wright. And Disco Inferno, and sometimes Tokyo Magnum. Oh yeah, Tokyo <laughs> as like a crony. But, uh, but here's the thing: is I always thought this was a great. Um, it's stupid. It's great because it salvaged what was left of Alex Wright. So by this point, Alex Wright was getting to the point where it was like it was clear that he would not break through because the NWO and because politics. NWO why because Mainly. if there was any other faces. They were bigger than him, and they nobody else could challenge the NWO by that point. And like Goldberg existed, I agree. And stuff like no, I agree. I you know agree. what I mean? Like so, Alex Wright was left in this weird situation where it was like, well, he's just going to linger in the TV cruiserweight division yeah, forever. That vague area, right? Right, that vague area. So they teamed him up with Disco, was <laughs> who was the same kind of guy. In a, uh, let me explain that is Disco Inferno was very over. Yeah, for the most part. Like, you go back and watch, and it's like, actually, people thought that this was, it was, they were entertained, and they kept being entertained. Like, it went on for, like, three years, and people were still into it. He would get, like, pops when he would come out. That's because they didn't try to make him overly serious or, like, make him a major threat. They just let him be what he was, so it stayed over. Right. They didn't try, like, he had the TV title a little bit, but other than that. nobody ever got tired of Disco Inferno. Let's not get crazy. Guten Tag. And to be honest with you, Disco Inferno was kind of like, if you weren't like around for it, the best I can compare him to is like a Santino Morella. Kind of. You know what I mean? Mixed with Honky Tonk Man. Yeah, mixed with Honky Tonk. And so they they team up with Alex Wright, who needs this kind of personality. I agree to an extent. It was a good thing for him to do in 98. You know, it was a good good way to use him because what else were you going to do? Yeah, and it was kind of happenstance, right? Alex Wright had a dancing gimmick, Disco had a dancing gimmick. I don't think it was planned at first that they would, like, come together. It was just one of those little happy coincidences, and they pretty much were a team throughout most of 98. Uh, And then he kind of fizzled out at the end of 98 and wasn't around for 99 until the spring when we started seeing some vignettes. Of a mohawked um, 
kind of industrial German character. I forget what it's called. There's so, a name. Riverhead, I think. It's called Rivethead. I don't know. What's it called? I don't even It's a real thing. Like a band? It's what? like, well, you know how like cyberpunk is a thing? I think post-industrial is like exactly what you're looking for yeah, there. Pretty much, right? It's not really cyberpunk. No, I know yeah. that. I'm just saying the yeah. way cyberpunk is a thing, he right. was a German yeah. version of that. Yeah, That's no, what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Finally, we're going to hear something from this mystery man. You have arrived tonight. Alles aufgepasst. Ich habe eine Botschaft an die WCW. Mohawk, right. trench coat, dark aesthetic, and then Columbine happened. Oh, right. And they held off for like four months. Right. So to their credit, to their credit. I want to say the first thing that comes to mind when I think of this, right, is that I didn't realize it was him. I didn't either at first. I did not either. I really, I thought it was like, what's that? Is there that like other guy that sort of looks like Reese or something that like. The wall? Yeah. No, but that was his bodyguard. Right. I just. It's not him. I guess it's a I guess it's a weird thing where it's like my, my brain puts that guy's head on top of alex wright's body like, <laughs> and like you know what i mean but like this whole thing the look was so radically different oh right? hell yeah it didn't like, even look anything like him and it to me like his whole move set changed he, like he became like shitty <laughs> uh, you know what i mean he went from cool cruiser he went from cool cruiserweight and tv title guy which everyone loves everyone over there to like u.s title guy like when he went in the u.s division it was just like well okay they're stuck there forever like i just said you know what i mean yeah i know yeah so he uh so let's let's get to another thing that screwed him over here and i don't know all the exact details surrounding it but i do know what happened he was supposed to face buff bagwell fall brawl which is september 99 i don't know the full story or the real truth but all i know is buff bagwell didn't do the match whether he was there or not and refused to or missed a flight or intentionally missed a flight, one way or another, Buff Bagwell did not want to put Alex Wright over. So instead, they send out Jim Duggan, who sandbags and no-sells the shit out of Berlin in his debut, Mm. and pretty much kills it dead. Duggan with no personal vendetta here, but as this match goes on, you can tell that one's developing. Now, Now, why Duggan in that case? Like, he's usually not the kind of guy that would do that. Well... WCW is different than the WWF in a way, especially during that time where it's very political, fighting for your spot. No one keeps you in control. Mm -hmm. There's no Vince. There's no equivalent to a Vince. Right. But again, it it seems like an odd position, right? Like, Duggan didn't give a shit by that point. He was kind of like... You would think he wouldn't. (laughs) Well, I'm just saying that he was not even like... He was the garbage man or whatever. (laughs) And he's like 45 by that. Like, let the kid go over. He was just goofing off by that point. God. And so, I mean, four years earlier, Paul Roma thinks he's like hot poo doing this. Yeah. Now Duggan. So it kind of stole the momentum. And then... Isn't that weird? Alex Wright has (sighs) really bad luck with this. Yeah. I don't know if people didn't like him backstage or were jealous. They thought he was too young one way or another basically what happened with berlin long story short is it fizzled out and they wound up pushing the wall more right. than him okay maybe that yeah and that's probably and why the wall my, sucked that's probably why my head went to putting his face yeah. on, on berlin's body and then i was just like because yeah the wall was terrible he, he was worse and i just remember him being on all the shit that alex wright used to be on like saturday night right. and like all that stuff where he was like always seen yes and, you know and he looked like an rtc member so it was just very like annoying <laughs> yeah it, it was bad so, I mean, Alex Wright went from this huge debut, which at least had potential to be different. In WCW 99, no one's yeah. usurping Did the NWO. Have, like, a lady with him or something? Briefly, a translator, yes. Yeah, yeah. Remember, he was like, I'm not talking in English. And I'm Fuck pretty you. sure she was a wrestler. I don't know. I'm not offhand. even sure. I could have been Mona. 
It wasn't Mona Quinn. No, it was not Mona. Some blonde lady. (laughs) It wasn't Mona. But anyway, then he's reduced to jobbing to Brad Armstrong and stuff like that within a few months. So it's weird because Berlin was like he had like talking segments on Nitro. Right. This could have been at least something. Now he's just losing to just nobodies on Saturday on the weekend. Yeah, Yeah, I know. So they retain him with Disco in 2000. No one really remembers this like 2000 2001, but because he was bald. Yeah, and he was called the Boogie Nights with Disco, but it was the same thing. It wasn't really good. This, this to me, it was like it was over. Like you, you know what I mean? Like that he had he had stumbled back to a tag team with Disco, which was just kind of a placeholder thing yep. after this big push. This big push that was fucked up by them, not yes, him. By them, yeah. Honestly, he actually retired for the most part full time after WCW folded. So this always perplexed me, just as kind of like a close to Alex right here, is that I always felt. That he was the kind of guy that, first of all, I think Vince would have been interested in. He looks good. He can wrestle. Like, there's nothing that doesn't say, like, Vince McMahon all over this, right? True. He was in the Time Warner contract, which those ran longer than the, yeah. you know, the WCW ones. Maybe Vince did reach out to him and he, and he didn't want to wrestle anymore. I wouldn't anymore. even be surprised that Vince gave him the call and he just said, sorry, I'm retired. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not doing this anymore. And you know what's crazy about this? He was only 26 when he retired. Right. I believe, 26. I, I believe, coincidentally, somebody to t- said on the board today that he's only like 42 or 45. something. 45. Isn't that crazy? Like, he's, he, like nowadays in the WF, he'd still be there. It's only a couple of years older than Cena and Lesnar and people right, like that. Yeah. And AJ Styles. Right. You know? Like I mean, he's their age. He just yeah. started earlier. Yeah. That's really all it is. So I think Alex Wright, I think his weakest point was talking. But you can always work around that. I really think that that could have, he could have gotten over that hurdle because he's known as a very good professional wrestler in general. He's taught people and stuff. He owns a promotion now over there called New. Yeah, Yeah, in Germany. And and like, you always wonder too, it's like maybe in German he's actually really good. Maybe. And you just don't know because you're not German. I guess it was just one of those cases, unfortunately, of the talent of a person just not being enough because of the political climate and the promotion that he was in, especially when he was. This is a, this is a very specific case of WCW like really fucking something up because they, they, they had found a young talent that was essentially homegrown because he wasn't anywhere else in America. Correct, yeah. Right? And, and they just blew it. Yeah. That's WCW wasn't even, for you. Wasn't even like a, you know what? In this case, actually, I'm not going to say it's the company as much as it's the politics of the wrestlers in the company yeah. that fucked him up but that's still you know you shit shit's got to start at the top right right and if they, there was somebody that would hold people accountable well for if that, somebody just said to duggan or buff like no you're fucking losing yeah. you work for us like, i know, you know what i mean I know. like it's like it's like we're, we're pushing this guy like it's fucked up right yeah, it, yeah. that actually is i'm not gonna blame duggan 100 percent because i don't know the circumstances but yeah. that's unprofessional no matter how you slice it right i think i know i don't think this guy would have been a world champion again we're talking the nwo era well, no when one. Berlin came, though, it was like the NWO was like fizzling out, I felt like, right? It was like 99-ish. Fine, but the politics of WCW would have prevented him from being anything, unless Russo wanted to make him world champion. Yeah, I just wonder <laughs> if the Berlin thing worked out a little bit better. Would he have been... More first, successful. First of all, would he have not thought about retiring? Second of all, would he be like an instant pickup like from WWF, one, from right? du- for when they bought him, right? It was like... Because he seems like a guy that's in the same vein as like Booker T, young and talented. Yeah, you know absolutely, I mean? absolutely. Young and talented. It seems like right up their alley. Absolutely. Because right? think about the other people they were picking up, like 
Palumbo and <laughs> Sean I mean, O'Hare. Yes, those I know. guys I know. were young. That's yeah. what, like that's what Jr. and his talent crew was looking for when they picked up. They they they, they all did you <laughs> no, notice that right, they only right. picked up anybody who was like under thirty, <laughs> like initially. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, so, folks, let us know what you think about Alex. Right, it's not someone we get to talk about a lot, but I'm glad we did. So, thank you, Jose Corona, for. The suggestion, Quinn was going to do it anyway, so yeah. <laughs> just uh, it sped it up there. But yeah, folks, let us know. Let us know your uh, your thoughts on Alex Wright. You can do that on Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can email us, ovppodcast at gmail.com, or join the group. But Quinn, when we come back, it is a flush week, mm-hmm. which means we take two more names out of the tank of the worst talkers, and we're going to see where they rank. It is the royal flush of talkers in wrestling, and that'll be coming up right after this. It's been a long time that we've been a Alex Wright, come on in. People have been talking about you all over the United States, from coast to coast, no matter where you go. People, they, they just admire you. They're, they're so much so much in awe of you. They think that you really are the future of wrestling. You really have a tremendous fan base in the United States. Well, I really appreciate Lee, but um, why didn't WCW give me then a chance to have some interviews? In the last year, nobody talked to me. Now you want to do an interview with me? Well, I'm just... I, I think so. But, but wait, no, 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 come, please come back. Uh, there are a lot of people that really want to want to find out a little bit more about you. People all over the country are clamoring to know about you. Okay, well, let me tell you this story. Okay. I've been here three years, three long years. I had good matches. I always tried to wrestle fair, competitive, and the people here in the States didn't care. Oh, but they did. They, no, 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 they didn't appreciate that what I did in the ring. I really worked hard. I trained hard, and I know I'm good. Hey, man. Hey! And now, back to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for being with us here. It's episode number 186. It is Monday, July the 27th, 2020. And, Quinn, we do have a Patreon we mentioned. Yeah, Patreon. Patreon. Now, we don't try to rip people off, right? We don't do that over there. There's... It, you get a lot for it. It's like basically like OVP Plus subscription service <laughs> there you or go. whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And basically, here's here's what it is. If you've been a fan of OVP, whether for a little while now or maybe a few years, and you like what we do and you want to support us and you want more content, just go to patreon.com slash OVP podcast. It's a few bucks a month and we'd appreciate it. You know, if, if you can spare the cash and you want the extra stuff, we would appreciate that. But if you don't, that's fine. But like we said, what you're going to get is the pay-per-view reviews. That's like the, the centerpiece, if you will, on the yeah, $5 the, tier. The crown jewel. The crown jewel, baby. And those are $5 a month, and you get all of them. You get them right away as soon as you sign up. And that goes all the way back to WrestleMania, the first one. Right now, like we said, we're at SummerSlam 90. We're going in order every single month. And these are full podcasts, just to clarify for some people out there. They're not live video reviews. This is a full-length audio review of every single WWF pay-per-view. We're talking three-hour shows most of the time. And they're uh, a lot of fun to do, and people yeah, seem to like them. I listen to them. They're so good. <laughs> they're, they're, they're very good, and um, I just really enjoy them. Yeah. I think you will, too, though. We do. We think I you think will. you'll enjoy them way more than I do. Look at that. Wow, yeah. that's high praise there from Michael Quinn. So that's on the $5 tier. Now, if you just want to give 3 bucks, you still get stuff with that. You get the bi-weekly 1983 live video reviews, and those are also released in audio form. It's where Quinn and I have been going through since January of 82. And now we're in the summer of 83, 
Every single week of WWF Championship Wrestling, we're basically watching the transition from the Vince Sr. Backland era as we get closer and closer to the Golden Age, the Hogan right. era. It's really heating up over there right now. You got the uh, Don Morocco and the Jimmy Snuka. They're starting to They're starting get to riled feel. up here. Sergeant Slaughter is back yep. now. Tito Santana is in. It's actually a really good time to join us on this thing because it's it's really starting to turn into something special. Yeah, these next six months are going to be big. Yeah. So that's on the $3 tier. Again, that's video or audio, whichever you'd prefer. And they're bi-weekly every other Friday. And then on the $2 tier, if you just want to kick us two bucks, you're going to get a back archive of content, which includes our Mount Rushmore and Death Valley Extras, the OVP commentaries, and every single week you get video if you're interested in seeing what Quinn and I are wearing. Yes, if you like shirts, uh, this is the tier for you. We wear them for you, and you get obviously behind the scenes of the making of every Monday episode in video form. That's patreon.com slash OVP podcast. Again, if you want to donate, we would appreciate it, but if not, we're just thankful that you're listening to this show. Now, Michael, it's the Royal Flush. Yes, the flush. Should I explain what that is in case? Yeah, you might okay. want to. You might want to do that. Right. There might be uh, newbies. There might be some noobs. Basically, folks, before the season starts, we ask you, the fans, over on Facebook, to give us a list of your top ten of something and your bottom ten of something. And for this time around, it was talkers in wrestling. Mm-hmm. Our chief statistician, Joe Merkel, then takes all of those votes from you guys, puts them into two separate tanks: one for the best. One for the worst. And we alternate each week, pulling out two names at a time. That way, by the end of the season, what you are going to have is the OVP, scientifically ranked, certified, organic, ordained, baptized, non-GMO, USDA certified, and healthy, best and worst talkers in wrestling. Wow. Of all that, time. That's a lot of, um, it's a lot of identifiers. A lot of qualifications going into this. It, it, it's takes, very, it takes a lot to get on this list. It's best does. and worst. Yes. And we're going to run down who's on the flush list right now. This is the worst. At number one, Ahmed Johnson. <laughs> doobie boy. Even though we like him. Yeah, yeah. I like him. It's yeah. just he said doobie boy said on, doobie on the boy. PlayStation game. And <laughs> it really it really hurt him. It didn't help. Uh, number two, Jimmy Snooker, brother. Uh, what am I? Uh, am I here? Now, number three, he should be at the bottom. He shouldn't even be on the list, really, is Sid. Yeah. He's good. And you've realized it, I think, since this came out. But uh, Sid's good. And number four, I don't know, Lex Luger. This one, that's the one that really baffles me even more. Sid and Luger. (laughs) Sid and Luger shouldn't even be in this parody. Yeah. You know what I mean? They really shouldn't. They have half the brain that everyone else does. See you June 13th, Bobby. (laughs) So those are the four. But what happens now is we go down to Howard Finkel for... The Royal Flush. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for the Royal You've got to step into the ring with me, brother. People are wondering who should be the world's best wrestling or should be the number one person in professional wrestling. And you should remember that. I know what it is. It was a closed party. It's because of people like you, big boss man. Seems like they want to take me in the back of some warehouse and try to treat me, to teach me some lesson into my mind. I am Jean-Paul Levesque. Hey, you were going like that to make nothing to do with Air Duty Boy. It is the Royal Flush of talkers in wrestling, Doobie Boy. I don't ever think Doobie Boy will get old. 
Like, no, it'll never get old. To me, it's like oh. one of the... Whoa, hey. It's one of the finest promos, but also one of the worst. It's one of the all-timers, Quinn. Yeah. Okay, we need oh. to chill out with the toilet. Okay? Okay, the, pro- the toilet need to stop cutting promos. Yeah, they really do. Okay. So, we have the four on the board right now. Like we said, folks, two more names are going to enter here. You can obviously let us know what you think. Do that on Facebook. Do that on Twitter. Send us an email if you want to. But, Quinn, I'd say the time for talking mm-hmm. is through. I agree. Is it time for turkey? It is turkey time. Okay. Is it? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it is. Is this the turkey time? This is the turkey time. Or do time. we save that for the, for the No, ranking? we'll have turkey okay, now. Okay, okay. So the fans are going to count us down as we all find out who drew number five. You know, Vince, I want to apologize to the fans out there for last week the way I was yelling, but I wanted to get, I'm not going to be like a little kitten in this match, Larry Sabisco. Well, I guess Bob Backlund, and Bob mm-hmm. Backlund was one of the worst talkers. I guess people thought he was a good talker, and I don't know if he's a good talker. So, this is one of your favorites. You make fun of him every two weeks. <laughs> well, we do. Yeah, cheap plug on the 83 reviews, but Bobby no. Backlund made it. Now, I understand why. I um, absolutely understand I why. I can very much understand. After watching, like, three years of this. Yeah, we've been it, watching Backlund in real time, essentially. It's, it's upsetting. Week to week. How bad he is. Deep down in my heart that the World Wrestling Federation champion is the champion of professional wrestling. Let's be fair to young Bob. Okay? Young. At the time, when he was the World Wrestling Federation champion, they had not, with the short exception of Billy Graham, mm-hmm. had not established in the WWF a precedent of their champion being some great talker, Quinn. No, Bruno. I mean, yeah, Pedro. Okay, Pedro. No, but Bruno can get riled up, and and he's like, I can, I can deal with Bruno. You like, slop. Yeah, you slop. <laughs> like, you I, piece I, of slop. You slop. I can get behind Bruno's like kind of style and intensity, and right. Ethnicity, but, like but, the Italian, and uh, right. But Bob Backlund. No excuse for being boring. Yeah. I don't get it, because you know what the thing is? Is he always shows that when he needs to be intense, he can do it, and it's actually good. It is! But, it, like, 99% of the time, he's just like, and then I, you know, kitty, and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, you know, like, it's just nothing. But do you think, Quinn, that that's because, again, they hadn't established, under the Vince Sr. tenure, the precedent of the champion having to be some magnificent talker? You say that. I but do. Like, while he's on, there's always some guy that's in there that can talk better than him. Like, it doesn't matter, like, what time, even during, like, the bad times, like, Jesse the body can come in and talk yeah. better than him. Or, But that's my you know, point, like, is the champion didn't need to be a big talker. The opponents did. Yeah, but Backlund, you know, I think of the champion, the champion should be good at everything. Yeah, like, but you know, again, that's based on, like, a post-Hulkamania mentality. Yeah, but comparatively, like, you know, Bruno, for example, right? Sure. Especially in, like, the 60s, we saw heavyweight wrestling and stuff. He was Mm -hmm. clearly, like, the best compared to all those other guys. No, I agree with you, but the Backlund character was just supposed to be an excellent wrestler, and that was his drawing point. Okay, so That's all I'm saying. They give him a manager, right? (laughs) Arnie. Arnie. Hello, Arnie. Does Arnie ever talk? No, he's terrible. He's worse than Backlund. The champion doesn't even have, like, any way to retort to any of this crap. I agree, Quinn, but one thing about Backlund is it didn't hurt his success. Yeah, I guess. You know, I mean, just because he's like, bad, it didn't... He held the title a long time. Here's the thing. Okay, first off, about holding the title a long time. He did. I felt like this shit overstayed its welcome... It did. ...fairly quickly, because it was like Vince Sr. like being like, we're gonna do All-American Boy, right? And maybe in like 1970-whatever, when he won it, 78, 78 77... 78. Like, maybe that was, like, in a time when it was very, like, 
you know, the country was kind of going through some shit, right? Maybe it was like a nice idea to have like this all American boy kind of like back to basics, right? Yeah, like the maybe, Jimmy Carter era. Maybe, maybe, you know? maybe this is what we needed, right? But when but, the Reagan era dawned. Right. But like within a year or two, that shit was. It's like, well, no, we want it edgy again, like Superstar Billy Graham. I mean, who's we? The fans paid, and they were there, and it was good business, so it couldn't have been. I don't know what yeah, you're we, basing this we on. Because we watch, and we see how they explode for anything that's, like, very different or edgy. Sure. Or, or Like, Superstar Billy Graham, like, is just because he exists before Backlund, it's so obvious, like, the direction they should have went. And it's should've weird maybe. that they took this, like, eight-year diversion of boring. Like, why? <laughs> like, why? Why would you do that? Because it still made them money. I think that's why. I mean, Backlund had some really intense feuds with Pat Patterson, Sergeant Slaughter, Ray Stevens, Ken Patera, all kinds of people. I guess he was over. I guess what I look I'm defending at, Backlund. Damn I guess it. what I look at it as from like a promo perspective is that you look at Graham eight years prior, right? Sure. Yep. And there was a spark of something. People were really into it. Absolutely. Blah blah. blah right. Absolutely. Yep. They go eight years, right? And business is fine. It's, fine. it's not exploding or anything. It's still like the down and grungy 70s, early mm-hmm. 80s. Like, it's just very flat, right? Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. And then you get to Hogan, which is, again, the superstar Billy Graham model of promos mm-hmm. and personality. And all of a sudden it takes off. Sure. And that's also because of Vince Jr., though. Right. But my point is, is that it was all based around not a Backlund style character I agree. Or, or Bruno style character it was based around a superstar Billy Graham style. I character. agree. Now I'm going to counter my own point, which I always intended to do. Okay. Yeah. I specifically said in the WWF, there wasn't a precedent of the champion being a good talker. Mm-hmm. However, in the other two promotions, Nick Bockwinkle in the AWA was mm-hmm. a fantastic talker. And in the NWA, whether it was Harley race, who's a good talker, Rick Flair, the who was already the talker champ- of all time yeah. for now. Or Dusty. Yeah. So it, WWF was actually the black sheep there. Right. So believe me, I'm well aware of that. I do agree with you that the direction they could have gone was within the Billy Graham band. I, he could have had a three-year reign. He and should it have worked. had a three-year reign. A lot of people say so. But one thing about Backlund's talking that I think we need to not overlook here is two things, actually. A, it didn't hold back his career, obviously. No. Right? He was very successful. Two... When he was intense, he was good. It was just very, very infrequent. It's like once to twice a year. Yeah. And it's only when they want to do something. That's right. like not the normal him just beating somebody at the garden that month. Right. Correct. Like when Karate Billy Graham destroyed his belt and all that, right, that yeah. and flipped a shit and it's good. It's good TV. Why can't we get that back then all the time? Because you need to establish a norm in order for it to be exciting when it happens. Yeah, but you could slowly ramp that up. Where it's I agree. like, you know what I mean? Like at the at first, he's like this very like basic, mild mannered, right? Mild mannered, and then he's just over the years, like that starts to become more frequent that he freaks out. And I agree. Then because then, then all of a sudden you've established the character for like many years that he's normally not like this, but right. and you just you just I don't know lightly like. <laughs> like just oh, sprinkle it in every now and then right yeah and just keep doing it more without anybody noticing that you're doing it more i agree quinn yeah uh and i also think we need to mention his 1994-95 heel run because then right. he's very entertaining so what i like about this is that it takes those intense moments that we saw in the 80s and it dials it up to like 11 15 like, <laughs> oh, even yeah because yeah, he's crazy <laughs> and it's really funny yeah yeah it's really good it's like crazy backland always crazy backland and yes. like i like this character 
this this also like idea behind him it's this is even after he loses the belt where he thinks he's smarter than everyone but he's really an idiot <laughs> he misuses words and right, he now yeah. propisms all over the place yeah, he's he's like a he's like a self-righteous like he thinks he's because he went to college that he's yeah, like good or something it yeah, it's, it's really bad i have never eaten marijuana never yeah, that one. yeah, <laughs> yeah. there's just there's a lot of that that whole thing where it was like what was that thing on like action zone or something where it was just like stuff from backland and it in was a like chair or something he just would say something like really quick and it was always dumb yeah. like, it, like that's the wow backland's really good but it was like like he, i think you had said before this it was like kind of too little too late he was like yes. at that point he was just considered like this old man character that's and the like thing. he wasn't really a threat anymore after he lost the belt it was over i did more to try to boon your life than any athlete in the world i never have ever eaten marijuana to his credit, man, he got himself really over in a few months in 94 to get to a point where he could credibly challenge Bret Hart. It was like the minute that um, maybe he was told that um, maybe there's a chance here for you. Just ramp it up, Bob. You know, that he he just went back to like early 80s in the moment back when um, I'm going to do whatever it takes, blah, blah, blah. And he just like turned it on and he became the champion within like six months. Yeah, and it was like, awesome. Yeah. It really was a great uh, performance by Bob right. Backlund. Seriously. And I remember that being like a slow build up to like when he even received yes, it was. his shot. Right? It was in July is when he freaked out and snapped on Bret Hart like a couple for the months. first time. And yeah. it took all the way until November yeah. for him to wrestle Bret Hart. Yeah. So, I mean, Bob Backlund did have a redeeming quality there. Obviously, we're going to see where he ranks when we get to ranking time. I do find his weeklies to be just very boring, he, repetitious, rambling. But the the opposite part of that is his weeklies when he's crazy. Bob Backlund are very good. Oh, that's that's the thing. So he's kind of got this like fifty fifty, almost how I think of Sean with like a two career. Yeah, he's got two careers in one. It's yeah. like that with Backlund. Totally different, as far, thing. especially with his talking. With his talking, especially. So yeah, Backlund world champion. No, it's boring. I one hundred percent agree with you. Mm-hmm. I just, the only thing I have to say is it didn't hurt his career that he was a bad talker. Right. That's all. But even though he didn't have a manager that could talk, but Arnie didn't do shit, huh? He just sat in a chair. <laughs> Remember, he wouldn't even stand up at ringside, <laughs> let alone. It's yeah, real. Yeah. He literally sat there like a fucking coach Read or something. Read the fucking paper while <laughs> Backlund's. I'm not kidding. Like, it's real. Read the comics. Yeah. <laughs> Beetle, he probably reads, like, Beetle Bailey and some I, shit, right? I don't even understand, like... Lois. I felt like him being the manager was almost like an inside joke with the company, the way he acts. Like, it was like... <laughs> Like, he was a road agent. They're like, why don't you just, like, manage backland? He's like, but, like, act like you are on the road. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, that's, yeah. like, what they, they had him do. Well, maybe because he was Bruno's manager, so they just figured they would do it again, Yeah, but right? he half-asses it with backland. <laughs> yeah. He does. Uh, but, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see where backland ranks, because I do think he has some redeeming qualities, truthfully. Yeah. I don't think he's horrible, but, I mean... For six years or so, he just was ongoing. I hated it. And that's one of the problems. So we'll see where he ranks. But if you're okay with a Quinn, I'm ready for number six. Sure. All right, let's find out, folks, who drew number six. Lee, this is something, you know, I've spent 17 long years in this wrestling industry. And uh, when it comes to wrestling, I do my homework. I'm not about facial expressions. To me, it's a sport. It's something that I take a lot of pride in. Dean Malenko. Dean Malenko. So this is a weird one for me. He's a great wrestler. I love Dean Malenko a lot. Excellent um, professional wrestler. The thing about Dean Malenko is literally his gimmick was the Iceman. Yep. 
you know, he didn't really talk. And even when he got passionate, he wasn't really, he didn't talk at all. I'll tell you, talk all you want. My business is in that square circle. And come uncensored, my friend. Step into it. But I thought that Dean Malenko's strength is he's actually got pretty good facial expressions, whether it's the serious or the the impassioned version when his dad died or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, I just think that he's a different... He talks with his looks. You know what I mean? And he like, talks with his wrestling, yeah. Yeah, and, and his wrestling, you're right. That's one of the things about Dean Malenko, folks, is he is pretty well acclaimed universally as a great in-ring wrestler. Match. And this is a case, unlike Backland, where I think that there's probably two things that worked against him. He was short, which is never going to fly in Vince land. It's very rare that Vince will push. A I couldn't short even believe person. Vince hired him. Like, <laughs> that was despite WCW more right. than anything, right? Yeah. yeah, no shit. And he was not a good talker during the nineties and into the two thousands. You kind of had to be for the most part to be a really big star during the Mike based Monday night wars promos and all that. So that's actually what I admired about Dean Malenko a lot was that he pulled this off. He almost had this weird MMA thing about him that he seemed real big fight feel big fight feel. He seemed real in the nineties in a way like Taz did. I agree. And the most he ever really talked and wasn't even that much was in ECW. Yeah, and he was great in ECW, obviously. Yeah, but he was he was basically the same character uh-huh. that the early WCW version was, but he talked a little bit more. He was pretty much always that character, right? Right, Essentially. right. So he comes into WCW, and immediately one of the things that made him stand out was just, you know, they did a thousand and one holds or whatever. A thousand. A thousand, thousand holds. Oh, sorry, I'm thinking of Jericho. But the thing that stood out was that it wasn't bullshit. Like, it was like he would see him do, like, wrestling shit that you were like, I what like that is true like the the thing that always got me was the what was that like either it was a tilt a roll backbreaker or just a regular backbreaker from like the top rope yeah. on like Ray Mysterio and they would do it on his like chest uh-huh like they instead of like on the back like yeah it was, it was like a, a stomach breaker it's like a stomach breaker from the top rope and I'm just like what the hell like, he would bust out stuff that no one else was doing in a WCW right and then I'd never seen people doing wrestling yeah I, that I didn't even think because you're up that high and you're lifting a human, I didn't think like it was possible. Right. Like it felt like it was defying gravity, but it was like doing it in a different way where like most of the cruiserweights were doing flippy floppy stuff. He was doing regular wrestling moves from the top rope. It's true. Like it was like weird and, yeah. and you never seen it before. Yeah. To Dean Malenko's credit, it was his in-ring ability that really made him stand out. Right. It but, was not talking. Right. So the talking He's aspect though, I thought it was masked very well extremely unlike well. a lot of these other people we're talking about here well because part of his character is that he wasn't a big talker right it was just his personality was that of an introvert that didn't talk a lot he was called the ice man yeah right. but it, but it made him him not talking made him seem more threatening right like, more this serious yeah like this guy's serious business like he doesn't have to talk. You'll see what's going to happen to you in the ring correct right and obviously chris jericho to jericho's credit Brought out the best in Dean Malenko from a personality standpoint and an emotional standpoint. This is, this is actually like one of my favorite things ever in wrestling. Correct. This whole Chris Jericho feud. So for months. Mine too. Months and months and months. Chris Jericho. 
Um, he had defeated Dean Malenko through like cheating or something. Yeah. Like there was just some, you know, how bullshit cruiserweight title changes <laughs> yes. like during that time. Like he just beat him, but Jericho started beating everybody else in the division, right? Taking their gear and stuff like that. And you know. he was just he was taking their gear and he was like bragging and he was like cutting promos where he'd have props from each wrestler. <laughs> like he he like took Dean Malenko's pride, so he just had like a portrait it's of him. Real? Like he had like Hoover mask, mask. Yeah. And all, all this shit like go- that. all this goofy shit right in mm-hmm. the ring. It was funny, and he kept doing this and doing this and doing this right and then finally there was like a battle royal because he'd beat everyone so they had to have a battle royal to decide who would like fight him next yep slambury 98 and meanwhile through all this like dima Linkle had left in real life because his father had passed away right? yeah, and didn't jericho just like he humiliated him and it once, was just yeah once he left whoever jericho was feuding with he'd always end it with like oh and dima Linkle, you suck your dad's dead and this and that it was very, right? and very it's like, mean it was like it was like for a goofy character, it was like this one thing at the end of all his promos. You're like, what a fucking asshole. Like, who? His dad died. Like, what's wrong with you? You know, like. Didn't Jericho also beat up his brother, too? Yes. <laughs> Joe Malenko, yeah. whatever his name is. So it was like this weird lingering thing, this yep. whole Dean Malenko issue. But he would never, like, Dean Malenko was gone. So, like, Jericho would just throw in the mocking at the end. Right. And it really didn't have anything to do with what he's doing. So then they have this battle roll, right? Because he's beating everyone, right? Yep. And we all know this, where yeah, Jericho does the introductions does himself. The makes fun of absolutely everyone <laughs> yep. right and then in it there's like a there's a wrestler who actually had technically like existed but like on pro and Saturday yeah. <laughs> like this is again this is a great use of the WCW like jobber like deep jobber roster it's real right? yes, like, yes. So, so they put Cyclope in here right yes. no one cared about no Cyclope one, you, you like barely remember Cyclope right. existed because he's a guy that just loses all the time on, right. like Saturday night or pro or something but right? he did exist he was real yes so he's in there and he's wrestling and like Cyclope is like gets to like the final two with Hoovy mm-hmm. Hoovy you think because you're like, who the fuck is, C- like, Seekle plays a loser, right? <laughs> like, you think, oh, well, Hoovy took his mask. Like, obviously, like, he's the one to he's take out guy. Jericho, of right? Of course. Like, so. And he was over. Right. Hoovy. So, Hoovy looks at Seeklope for a second, and then he, like, eliminates himself, and you're like, what? what? And then Seeklope takes the mask off, and it's fucking Dean Malenko. And, like, when he does this, first of all, his face looks, like, impassioned, like, rage, like, after all the stuff with his dad. Yep. Look, it's one of the biggest pops in like wcw history it's fantastic it's everyone gets out of their seats and they know and you and they they immediately clip to jericho freaking the fuck like he knows he's screwed yeah like he knows he's screwed so jericho tries to get the jump and then demon Lego just beats the ever-loving shit out of him and it just beats him it's like awesome. it's, it's like the greatest thing ever and like he's like crying at the end and he's holding it up like this is for he like points to the sky this yep. is for my dad Play. what's he doing here he's unmasking he's unmasking that's not Cicopay! Look at that! Dean Malenko! He's back! The man of a thousand holes! The man that will face Jericho for the title right now! Everyone standing! And we're off and running! Well, I've never seen Malenko like this! Have you ever seen him with this acceleration? What Jericho said about this man, the way he's talking about his father who's passed away. Jericho, you're in deep, deep doo-doo tonight, pal! And that's a great example of how you can work with somebody that can't talk very well. You have right. someone who's excellent be his opponent. And they mm-hmm. did it, and it worked. Now, Dean Malenko uh, obviously finished up in WCW in, in January of 2000. He was part of the Radicals, the four guys that WWF scooped up, you know, kind of like a fucking fire sale from WCW. This Radicals thing sucked ass. Well, can yeah, I no, say, no, no. I, I just gr- say that? I agree off? with that, but it was a big deal when WWF scooped up 
Chris Voldemort, yeah. Dean Malenko, Perry Saturn, and Eddie Guerrero in one fell swoop and brought him in. Pretty much the best, like, technical guys. Four guys that WWF fans, including myself at the time, really wanted to see in WWF. Right. I did. I was like, especially Perry Saturn. I really liked Saturn at the I, time. I was actually, uh, Saturn was the biggest disappointment of the bunch. Oh, he because, was. Because it was like. It, he did it, nothing. It seemed like he would be, because he was always kind of the workhorse. Like he, he was, was the, awesome he was like in the WCW. Underneath guy in WCW, but like he was always in these really good matches. He was tremendous. In and you're always like, well, if he could just get a push, like Perry Saturn would be awesome. And then he's Moppy or whatever. Because he beat up that jobber, remember? And they punished him. Oh, that's beat what up that Mike was for. Bell. Yeah, but okay, uh, why? I don't know. But I'd say even uh, underwhelming too was Dean Malenko. Now Malenko was about forty by the time they brought him in. Dean Malenko, I he was felt like it down. was understood that this was kind of like his last big money run, and it like, was. You, you know, know like, nagging injuries. He had been wrestling a long time and and the good thing about him is i personally i have a feeling that this is why he signed with them in the first place if you notice he, they gave him a job forever like he, he was, was an agent he's he, i think trainer he's, i think he still is he might still be knock knock who's there you're fucking wrong i've heard guys i think it was jr maybe somebody else say about dean malenko that he had a great mind for the business and the other thing is that in real life like non on screen he's very funny and has a really funny personality but he could never translate that to his promos for whatever reason but i've heard nothing but good things about him as a trainer as a uh, guy a a human now that all said um bad talker bad talker absolutely terrible but like i said it's he could he could translate it in emotion and i think that's the difference now do you think we talked about this with backland do you think his talking held him back? I think it might have a little bit, but not a lot. I don't think he was ever destined to be the world champion anywhere. No, I mean, U.S. champ. He was the U.S. champion. He was a U.S. cruiserweight, and he was well-regarded and respected he wrestler. Was, he was very successful, considering all things. And he was very, here's the one thing I want to point out here. He was entertaining, regardless of not being a talker. Sure, I mean, who doesn't remember his WCW cruiserweight matches with Rey Mysterio yeah. with Ultimate Dragon? All these people. I agree with that. He was entertaining in the Jericho feud. He's got a quality that I don't see with a lot of people where he's got a quality where like he doesn't talk, but because he does it, backs it up with the wrestling, it never occurs to me. I don't think bad talker. I just think guy that can back it up and he's going to beat the shit out of you if you fuck with him. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and he doesn't have to say he's going to beat the shit out of you if you fuck with him. It's just look at it's him. It's just understood. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, look what he does to his opponents. Like, I agree. You know so, what I mean? Yeah. No, no, no. I agree. He would mur- it was great the way they brought him into WCW because they established that he like no mercy just beats the ever loving shit out of like most of these crew. Like uh-huh. he would kick their ass. Yep. And, like, from that point on, you knew, like, this guy was, you don't mess with this guy, right? right? It's like, he's going to hurt you. Yeah. I agree with you, Quinn. I think that Dean Malenko uh, achieved what he probably should have achieved in, mm. in, in WCW. I don't think he was ever going to be a big player in WWF. And I don't, like you were saying, I don't think that was the point no. of bringing him. They did it because, who A, who the hell wouldn't want to get the hell out of WCW in early 2000? Right. And they brought him in because it's Dean Malenko and they can use him and then they can give yeah. him a job or whatever. That's yeah. all. It always seemed like we said, is like with his WWF, like when he came there, it really wasn't about wrestling as much as they were looking for somebody backstage. Yeah. That, Cause that's, that's like almost immediately what they used. He wrestled a couple matches and then he was like yeah. a fucking agent immediately. Yeah. He retired in the, Oh one. Right. So <laughs> he's yeah. like barely there uh, as a wrestler. 
So, okay, I think we've established our Backlund, we've established our Malenko. Rather positive celebration today on the flush, but we're going to have to see where these guys rank. That's going to be another story. Are you ready to rank? Let's rank. Let's rank it up here. So, again, folks, to run it down for you, at number one is Ahmed Johnson, Doobie Boy. Two is Snooka, brother. Three is Sid. Four is Luger. Bobby Backlund, Quinn. All things considered. uh, All things considered, um, without even, like, he's worse than Lex, he's worse than Sid. Is that is that just without? Uh definitely his world champion era promos are. Yeah, his ninety four stuff is good, hmm. but is it too short lived? Yeah, it, it's also like he wasn't really a wrestler by the time he became like a great talk. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like it was like a part time wrestler by ninety five. Yeah, I definitely think that Lu- Sid should be at the bottom. First of all, I what? definitely think that Sid is more entertaining as a whole than Bob Backlund. I do think that Backlund's underrated with his emotional ability. I mean, even in, his, in, in the early That's 80s the and late 70s. That's the problem with both of the guys this week, is that the, the emotional ability is strong with them, so they can, like, cover up the bad talking. I never felt emotion from Lex Luger, Quinn. I don't know how he made it below Sid. It's not did. fair. When? When he beat Hogan. I thought that was, like... Was wrestling. Of... I'm talking promos. Wrestling. Yeah, but, in, yeah, but I mean... Wrestling like the, is the different. Whole, the whole build-up there was, like... With him was just like you wanted him to win. He 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 exuded this personality. Like I, I don't know what it is. I just Fine. I just really liked him a lot. I mean, look, is Backland a week to week a worse talker? Probably. Yeah, week to week. You know, in the eighties and stuff like that. I mean, so, he's what one the of the hell worst, is he saying? He's one of the worst week to weeks I've ever seen. Just like, run on sentences from, like and, prior to prior to him coming back and like. 93 or whatever yeah right no no i agree it's just bland monotone monotonous the fact that we have to ask every week why is this guy the world champion that's saying something i know whereas with sid and luger you at least have some personality guaranteed yeah every time close party close party but sid especially sid's awesome uh that said backlands 94 is like uh, pretty much a complete 180 but is it just too little of his career yeah, in the it, long run? It's too little too late, very specifically. <laughs> you know, it's just like, it was almost like he realized in, when he got to the 90s, it's like, oh, I got to turn up this crazy backline yeah, character. Yeah, persona, because, right. Because hey, I'm not going to make it otherwise. Yeah, and I think uh, they knew that too. Yeah. I mean, in 93, they're like, be the same thing as you used to be. And that was the point. Right. But be that a was throwback. Like a, but the thing was that the genius of that, that that was the setup. Right, like that, I guess I don't know where, where they were long term. Honestly, was. I really thought, like looking back at the whole thing, yeah, because he really wasn't around that long before. Like technically, he was only around like a year before year, he turned into that. Like it, almost if they were like lulling you. I don't like, know. I think that was a happy accident, Quinn. You think? I do. I do. I don't but think I don't he was know. Gonna, I think what it is, Joe. Personally, I've always thought that he he wasn't earmarked to win the world title again, but he was earmarked to turn crazy. I think that's. I think that's actually. What's I don't know. Plan? I don't know. I mean, that's a good guess, but I really don't know. All that said, though, Quinn, I think I can agree with you that he is worse than Sid and Luger just because on a week to week basis throughout his career, he is bland and boring. He's not a captivating yep. talker. He does show great flashes of personality when he gets really upset. And obviously, his 94 work stands on its own. I think him and Jimmy Snuka on this list are like very close, but I think Backlund is, is, is better. I think Backlund's better than right. Snooka. Absolutely. Because yeah. Snooka never had another level to take it to the way Backlund could. He just had this weird, like, monotone, like... Snooka? Yeah. I, I don't know what it is, like... He sucks at talking. It oddly can work with him because of what his character is, but that's the only thing sustaining him. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. If his character wasn't that, he wouldn't have made it. If Snuka was a really good talker, he probably would have been the world champion. Probably. Or a champion. Or something. The fact that we're saying he's worse than Bob Backlund. He is. Who they were in the same time period. That's saying that, you know what I mean? He's worse than Bob Backlund, just overall. They both were over the same, but they both were completely different talkers. And Bob Backlund is slightly better which is not a good thing no but when you're worse than bob (laughs) you know what i mean i agree backland's strength like we said is when he does show emotion he's really convincing and his 94 stuff so snooka never had those standout things yeah but damn when he jumps off that cage yeah exactly he was he was something else in in the ring yeah Uh, so we'll put backland then at number three we'll shove down sid and luger keep snooka where he is at number two right Backlund's at number three. Okay. Right. We're, we're settled on that. Mm-hmm. Then, Dean Malenko. <sighs> so, I mean, <laughs> definitely Sid and Luger, he's not even close to them. I don't think so, because... They're, they're, they're always going to be the gatekeepers, like, you know what I mean? Of the bottom? Yeah, I think they are, because Sid and Luger, like we said, guaranteed, especially with Sid, guaranteed entertainment, and Luger has his own way of being <laughs> the, fun. The first question when we do anything on this list is, like, are they better than Sid and Luger or not? I think and so, then, no. And then you know, okay, that well, they're, you know, so that's obvious with Dean Malenko. So we put him against Backlund now, what do you think? Right, so here's here's where I'm having a problem here, is because... Dean Malenko, his actual character is not to talk. So True. are we like, are we beating a dead horse by saying, oh, he's a bad talker because he never talks? But he like, is bad at it when he does it. Yeah, I mean, it's okay. It's, it's, it's pretty poor. I, it's not like I can't understand what he's saying, though. So I, I can't put him in like the Jimmy Snooker realm. No, I think he's either going to be right above or right below Backlund. He's almost, he's almost like very, he's like cruiserweight Bob Backlund. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah, it's just, is he better or worse than, I think because Backlund has the second act. I think he's worse than Backlund. Yeah, yeah I think he's worse no, than Backlund. Yeah. All right. But so like, what, I can't, again. You don't I, think he's worse than Snuka? Do you? Snuka is really bad. Snuka so, is really bad. Um, he's really, really, really bad. At least I, like Snuka, sometimes I don't know what he's saying bad like yeah. it's that kind of bad just like uh, that it's funny the two on the top are the more indiscernible like what are, i don't even know what that what they just said see like, i'm more entertained by ahmed i wish i wish ahmed wasn't number one but whatever yeah but you're more ahmed's entertaining, entertaining. Ah, because ahmed's such a train wreck like true it, it's actually, i know because it's worse you're i know more entertained you know i know I mean? he, crosses, boy. he crosses that like jimmy snook is the threshold where it's like no it's just bad but it's not entertaining but ahmed's <laughs> just like oh it's so bad it's like extra bad and it's entertaining. It's like a Tom Green movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like like, Daddy, would you like some sausage? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's Freddy Got Fingered yeah. is on the Johnson. I love that movie is unsung. Because it's so bad. It, it, it's one, yeah, it's exactly the, it's exactly <laughs> that, right? Like, I've gone back and watched that movie because it's such a train wreck, it's actually entertaining right. to watch. Like, you're just like, you're just like, there's so much stuff that happens in that movie too, just on the side. Yeah. It's worth a rewatch because you don't remember like, Probably like sixty percent of it right. because it's just you just so, blocked it out. It's so <laughs> off the freaking wall. Yeah, it's actually like a good watch in twenty twenty because of it. Because you're just like, wow, it's making a face turn twenty yeah, years yeah, later. Exactly. Yeah, between Malenko and Snuka though, Quinn. Um, I think I agree with you. I mean, Snuka is brutal. Yeah, brutal. And the other and not thing, not the entertaining way. No. And the other thing that we said, I'm going to keep coming back to it, is I don't think Malenko's lack of talking ability really held him back too much. No. Whereas Snuka, it, it, it may it, it have. It probably did. And killing people doesn't help you either. But right. I mean, 
But that wasn't but, known in then. Well, like, I think that Vince knew. Only Vince knew. <laughs> yeah. Only, specifically only. But here's the thing, right? I think with Snuka and the Vince era of 83, 84, as we got to more of the rock and wrestling, if Snuka had been a better talker, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah. Malenko was what he was. He's bad. Yes, but he wasn't supposed to be like like you said. Yeah, it's, it's not really the uh, the concept of the character. I you know what? I think he's a solid three on here. I think so. At least when Malenko talks, it's a straightforward. It may not be you know no sizzle, but mm-hmm. at least like it's straightforward. You know what he's saying. You can understand. He, like, he, and he almost does it in a way where it's like it's it's known that it's not his strength, but like it's like well, you better wait till you see him in the ring. Like you know, right and. Then, and you know, it just he. It always seems like he's diverting you to like, no, look at when I'm wrestling. Yeah, that, I know. That, you know what I mean? Like that's so he, but he's not like you know he doesn't do it in a way where it's like I don't understand what he means. Yeah, like, that's the thing. Yeah, you know what I mean. The top two here, Ahmed and Snuka, are just this level of indiscernibility and incoherency and stuff yeah. like that. You know, Ahmed with the doobie boy. I forgot to take my medication, Morty, or whatever he yeah. says. <laughs> Whereas uh, and Snuka, uh, like that's how he talks. Yeah, I know. I'm not even making that up. Yeah, it's real. That is how he talks. There's like the indiscernible level. There's the just not a, not. That's not their strength level. And right. then there's just the, like, why are they on this list level? Right. Like, <laughs> See, M- Malenko is not so bad that I can even think of, like, an impression of him, whereas Snuka yeah. and Ahmed, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Ooh. Yeah. Okay. I think the Malenko should be number three. Yeah. That's we, okay we with me. we got a sandwich of levels right now we've on this list. There's, like, two in, each, two in each piece. I'm okay with this. We're okay. locking them in at number three? Yeah. All right, folks. So that is going to be our updated Royal Rankings now for this week and obviously a royal flush I should say for this week and obviously folks you can let us know yours do that on Twitter at OVP podcast shoot us an email or join the group to run them down for you still at number one Ahmed Johnson Mm -hmm. number two Jimmy Snuka the newcomer Dean Malenko at number three and joining him at number four another newcomer Bobby Backlund number five who should be six is Sid and this is money ink all over again and uh, number maybe there'll be a voting error this is a great list it's not and number six Lex Luger folks that is the royal flush for this week let us know yours but Quinn when we come back it is time for a main event WCW style that's right it is the WCW main event program yay and that'll be coming up right after this Growing up and and wrestling and having the opportunity that I did, having a father that was already in wrestling, um, it was a great experience. And I got to learn a lot about what the wrestling business is. And I had had somebody to guide me. It could be a year now that my father passed away. My father has always been there for me all through the years of my career. And he's still there. He's still there in my heart and my mind. Every time I do walk in the ring, that my last name is Malenko. And the one thing I always think about before I step in the ring, before that bell rings, is that I'm a great Malenko son. I've dedicated the rest of my wrestling career to him. I spent the last 12 some odd years in Japan. To me, it's probably one of the best places in the world to wrestle. I got some of the greatest athletes I've ever seen. I think Japanese style wrestling to me is the basic of all wrestling. A lot of it is mad wrestling. That's my, that's my forte. I am, at this point in my career, I think World Championship Wrestling is where I want to be, where I need to be, the level of competition I need to bring out the best in me. 
Hello, wrestling fans. It's Joe here. And while we're on a break, I just wanted to take a moment to shout out three friends of the show. Check out the New Day podcast. Hosted by three guys that have actually worked in the actual wrestling business. I'm talking about Xavier Woods, Kofi Kingston, and Big E. They're going to bring their unique perspective as fans, but also as people that actually work in the industry to a very creative and entertaining podcast. New Day Podcast. And then check out Greetings from Allentown, hosted by one man, Peter Winston. He'll take you on a whimsical journey through retro wrestling's past. It's unique. It's quirky. It's Greetings from Allentown. And finally, if you like your retro wrestling slathered in barbecue sauce, check out Mike Mills and Book in the Territory as they bring you the very best in the Southern Fried Wrestling. We're talking about Smoky Mountain and the NWA. It's Book in the Territory. So again, our three friends of the show. The New Day Podcast. Greetings from Allentown and booking the territory. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast, episode number 186. Quinn, we are reviewing something. We are. It's WCW. Yay. Yeah, I love WCW. You yeah, know I know how, you do. Especially this time period. Well, it's true. So this was actually, I don't know why I do this to myself. It was my idea to do WCW. It was your idea. I was surprised. Yeah. And I was I was pleasantly surprised. Mm. Uh, your idea was the mid-90s, so, yeah. okay. So, I went to Richard Land, and I said, Hey, Richard, find us an episode of something from WCW from 96. Right. And, of course, he did. So, thanks, Richard. It, it was great. No. Uh, this is WCW main event, folks, from October 12th, 96. Now, the w- best period for WCW. Yeah, well... <sighs> it was. It was, objectively. And, well... Numbers-wise, yeah, they were doing great business in 96 and 97, yeah, this obviously, a, this 98. A, you can't deny that this was a good time for them. It was. Yeah. It was. I, I watched some of yeah. it, too. Mm-hmm. I was watching WCW in 96. I was, too. Because WWF wasn't great it for was, some of 96. It was poor. It, a lot of it was, like Farouk with the helmet and all Especially that. Especially by the time of, we get to, um, what, 10, 12, 96. Yeah, 10, like, 12. Whatever the state is. <laughs> That'd be October. Yes, October. <laughs> Right. This was the, this was a really strong time for them because the WCW was, like NWO angle was not stale yet. No, not at all. It yeah. was not stale yet, and it was only three months old at the time. But you might be wondering, possibly, what is main event? Well, okay, main mm-hmm. event started in 1988. Okay, right. and it ran until 1998, and we actually reviewed the very last WCW main event from 98 a uh, couple of seasons ago i believe yeah this this is one of those shows where i was like what channel is this on or well you tbs know. you've probably heard of tbs yeah, right but I it feel was like, on tbs was it was it on all the time cuz i feel yes. like this was something that i could never track down it was this, on all the time really on tbs hmm now it was, this wasn't the wgn thing no 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 okay. this was on on sunday nights for most of its run on tbs i think it's 6 i can't remember maybe maybe that's why it was their secondary yeah, weekend yeah, show. Yeah, exactly. So Saturday night was their big weekend show, and then main event was like their B weekend gotcha, show. But gotcha. once they added Nitro, this show really didn't matter. Yeah. And Nitro's now been around for over a year. But, see, here's the other thing. In the summer of 96, they moved the main event from mm-hmm. its Sunday night slot to Saturday mornings, which is where we're at now. So now it really doesn't matter. They ha- they had, at this point in time, Joe, they had so many shows. They had, like... They still had Pro. They had they had, they had the Prime, I think, still technically existed. Yes, Prime was still on. <laughs> they worldwide. Worldwide. Saturday night, this. What is there, like, six shows? <laughs> yeah. Like, this is insane. Like, how much wrestling... <laughs> how much, like, stuff is going on in WCW that they need this much freaking crap on? Well, to be fair, WWF had Raw, and they still 
had uh, they what was the blast off was going on and they Saturday, had live wire shotgun Saturday night that hadn't started yet but it was going to soon they had superstar stuff <laughs> the recap version of challenge that no one got so there was, was a lot like, of wrestling it was just like this weird time where they were converting to like let's be basically only on cable but <laughs> yeah. also we we have like six fucking syndicated shows that we need to also maintain yeah. <laughs> it's like they were like consolidating but they weren't all the way there yet they weren't all the way there yet they would be around 97 98 but yes, like Quinn mentioned, this is a very hot period for WCW. The NWO angle is still fresh at this point. It's only October. Okay. Sting has recently walked away, so that has just started. It lasts way too long with Sting being, I'm sad, but that's not it's fine. None, none of it's old yet is the yeah. point I'm trying to make. And yeah. we're still like filtering out some of the mid-96 storylines, Yeah, and, and you'll see some of them where it's the, like... The, always that conversion from like goofy Taskmaster shit to yeah. like NWO. Yep. Like, it, it's part of the the grand scheme of things with right. the conversion. We're about at the end of that conversion here. So let's see what uh, WCW main event has in store for us here for October 1296. We actually get a cold open uh, with a clip, a recap of Randy Savage yelling at the camera next to a Slim Jim NASCAR man or something. <laughs> what the? Like, Fucking that was great. Just, Thanks, Rich. <laughs> that was so out of place like <sighs> immediately because he's standing in the full NASCAR Slim regalia. Jim suit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stupid. What a way to open the show. And then we, have, <laughs> then we see Giant and Hogan attacking Savage while Liz watches. Oh, and good. Jeff Jarrett's here. <laughs> with a leather jacket and like four people Fuck. noticed him walking in. God, and of course Shivani's doing the voiceover to all this. Y- yapping away. Well, then Jeff Jarrett came in. Jeff Jarrett makes a startling appearance. Who cares? And then we get this very stern intro here, like way too serious, featuring these like faceless men wrestling in the dark with clips of Lex Luger and stuff. It's very stock, very public domain, very 1996. It is very. Uh, and then we are joined at the control desk here. This is basically their attempt at like a primetime wrestling or oh, one of those. It, the layout looks exactly like primetime, just with Tony as Gorilla. Yep. To- um, Tony's with they, Bobby, by the way. Why do they have nine TVs like stacked behind? <laughs> Did you notice yes. that? I was like, they, they don't even like look at them. And like, you only need to there. watch one at once. Yeah. What are they, Shredder? Well, what is wait, this? Do they have the tech where it's like a corner no. of the screen in all of them? No, it's so, the same image on yeah. every TV and they're arranged like it's a fucking Brady Bunch. Awful. This is Tony Schiavone along with Bobby the Brain Heenan. Good morning. Tony launches into, of course, the NWO's latest attack on Randy Savage while they made Liz watch. We just saw a clip of that. Mm-hmm. See, earlier that night, Liz had tried to get into Savage's, her ex-husband's, dressing room, but he was nowhere to be found. And for the record, we are very much in the Liz is hot, not like pure yes. era. Like the leather, leather, dress. leather dress. And she, she's she got like a more 90s haircut. Like, she looked good. She looked to be good. Fair, and she like, did. I, I just, I always kind of liked this period, but like, then when she became like, what's the one where she's like biker girl, where she has like the pants and the weird like rodeo coat oh that's like, later right yeah like i, I is that luger liz that's the liz where i'm liz like luger yeah she just seems like a, a mother mom. or something <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah exactly and it's just like what like <laughs> uh and then later on though savage was with the slim jim guy like we mentioned but liz ran out savage is like no i want to talk to you now but then the NWO attacked Ric Flair backstage while Vir- Virgil threatened the cameraman. I, That's funny. Yeah. Can I ask you something about this This whole, because I, I didn't put a note about it or anything, but what did you think of the Liz Savage relationship at this point in time? Because I thought it was actually kind of interesting. Yeah. No, I thought it was intriguing at the time. Right. Because what they had done with Liz when she came in in WCW to begin with is that she was against Savage and with Ric Flair. Right. But now... Towards the end of 96, she's starting to make overtures again towards Savage. There's like this mutual like, 
ex-husband, ex-wife friendship thing going on, right? It's like this, like... I well, actually we, liked it. We love each other, but we don't want to be married anymore, but we back each other up kind yep. of thing. Like, and it's 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 weird, and it works in a we, weird uh, way. We ride together, we die together. Oh. Exactly. But We're I, still best friends kind I, of thing. I liked it because I applaud WCW. Yes, listen closely. I'm giving them credit for using a real-life thing and capitalizing on it. Right. Yeah, I have no problem with that. I thought it was good. But anyway, yeah, Ric Flair got attacked. Virgil Vincent, excuse me, yelled at the cameraman. Kevin Nash yelled thug life because why the hell not? Thug life, baby, thug life! <laughs> and Liz wandered back in this vague warehouse or wherever the hell yeah. they were attacking Ric Flair. So Giant just like walked towards her stupidly to scare her away. And he winds up walking her all the way back near the announcers at the entrance. Then Savage runs on the scene with a chair. But from behind, of course, Hulk Hogan attacked him. This shit where Hogan like just it's, it's fucking annoying. Like it's just like I always I this the part of this always bugged me about how like the WCW guys are always just like they get like screwed somehow. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's just all the Time. There's too many of these NWO people. Yep. It's like he's like trying to fight off the giant, and then like Hogan appears at it. It's just like I don't know. It's just like Putty Patrol or something. <laughs> There's too many people. There like, are. <laughs> and then we cut to the ring a little bit later, where the giant, like we said, forced Liz to watch Hogan kicking Savage's ass. Well, did, what what else is new? Hogan you, kicking did, Savage's did you, ass. Did you notice that the giant is kind of playful with Liz? Like they're both kind of laughing almost because he's like he's almost like giving her nuggies. He's trying he's, to like make her watch. The, the, yeah. If you look close that like he i think he like smiles at her while they while they're doing it and they're kind of both playing along and like making it work why not yeah, yeah. uh bischoff is still on commentary here by the way with today and bobby this clip is way too long are there matches <laughs> on this show like it's like it's like like a quarter of the beginning <laughs> we're like six minutes in and we're yeah. just watching it's recaps so long. I know. this is only like a 40 minute show <laughs> so hogan spray paints and outlined around savage on the mat mike today He's obviously using this can of black spray paint. But he's obviously using this this can of black spray paint. Very fucking helpful, (laughs) dipshit. He's the wizard, Joe. Idiot. He knows things. Hogan now gets on the mic to say that by the power vested in me as Hollywood Hulk Hogan and the brotherhood of the NWO... He deems the consummation of the Macho Man and Melissa Miss Elizabeth to be null and void. What is he talking about? How? <laughs> what is he, a judge? What is judge Hogan, judge George Hogan. Washington, or whatever? <laughs> yes, I chopped down the cherry George drink. Washington Hogan over That's here. amazing. Hogan then tells Liz that he owns her body, he owns her soul, and he owns her heart. Okay, I never got why this is what it is. It's like never explained very like completely there's allegedly some kind of contracts or papers or something and now the nwo just owns liz and then they never talk about it again and then like remember like how this plays out where she's like at first she's like reluctantly clapping and then she's like just super big friends with them all of a sudden like it doesn't even make it like remember she's like on the like fake jay leno with hogan like (laughs) like they're like they're like they're all buddy buddy i just how this developed it never made sense to me for somebody that's supposed to be held hostage why is she like become practically one of them because and because wcw what is this like a patty hearst situation i don't <laughs> understand like what's going on here <laughs> patty hearst. i'm just I, I i don't get it i think this proves though quinn that those eyes did lost elizabeth yeah hogan's eyes if he's gonna be they talking did. about owning her and stuff. yeah but he, then she then when macho man joined nwo she was just like back to like Oh, Randy. Oh, Randy. I like you. Yeah. Anyway, later on, the NWO ran out with Six, who was driving a monster truck, because why not? (laughs) 
This is very because of because you know what the best part about Just this so is stupid. He's spray painting it right, and like this monster truck has nothing to do no. with anything. All of a sudden, it storms it, and Six is like tongue out, with, like doing the like doing the wolf pack, doing thing. the wolf pack side as it like. Beans by on the entrance, no explanation no. at all, and it just—that's how the clip ends. It's yeah. like, yeah, and it just like speeds off into the sunset. It's like, really stupid. I love that. It was really it was funny. Really funny. Back to Brain and Shivani at the desk here, where Tony mentions now that Ric Flair is injured. He will not be at Halloween Havoc. Bobby is so funny this whole show. He immediately gets all negative and he's like, it's all over. The NWO does whatever they want. WCW does nothing about it. He called it already <laughs> Bobby Stradamus or something yeah. this whole episode. And then he has a great line. He's like, want to start packing up the cameras now? Yeah. yeah. Cause it's over for us. You know, it's over. They do whatever they want, whenever they want to whoever they want as often as they want. And what do we do? Nothing. Nothing. It's over. It's over. Sit back and relax. We'll it's be, over. We'll be talking more about the NWO. You want to start packing up the cameras? I like when real life imitates art. It's yeah. really funny because that is what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, we go to a main event exclusive match now with Lee Marshall and Dusty Rhodes. And entering the ring is a very stupid ass team <laughs> what? Of, of Squire Dave Taylor and Mr. JL. What? Like, isn't JL a face? Maybe. I don't. It, Neutral. It, okay. This is a weird thing, right? Because the hell is this team? You know what I love about it too, and I, yeah, I think you wrote the yeah, note also. JL is doing the like the, the like blue blood yeah. like <laughs> hand behind, like waving like the royal wave. Yeah. The, it doesn't make any sense because he's Mister JL. Yeah, which folks is Jerry Lynn being a lucha. Right, that's yeah. essentially what it is. But yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't understand, Quinn. It's WCW jobbers at their best. I must admit, <laughs> like it's jobbers with personality, and that's again, that's, that's a I, leg up. I always thought this is the strength of WCW it's at this point. Up. It's like they have this very deep jobber roster. That's like actually all of them have a storyline. It's great, yeah, and a character, yeah, uh, and their opponents are. <laughs> the Rock and Roll Express? The hell? They both look like they're 73 years old. Seriously. Like each of them. They look like they just came straight from a strip club. Like, I am not kidding. They are literally staggering out at like one mile an hour, all old and bloated. Yeah. And like Dusty's acting like they're content. I hate this. <laughs> they take their shirts off to like my disappointment. <laughs> yeah. Like they should have never took those off. Now, Dusty, I- I'm going to start a conspiracy theory here. I don't. Yeah. We'll I, let this develop. Let Joe explain because I don't really understand it. So it's okay. Dusty here is rambling on and on so much that he almost sounds like someone doing an impression of Dusty Rhodes, and I'll have more on that later. There is no history books anywhere or no books anywhere that their name will not be found in when you talk about tag team wrestling. You see guys through the 80s on into the 90s now are just getting better and better, but they have held ever major tag team title. They is the Hulk. And they were guys that say, well, these guys are overachievers because they're so small. Uh-huh. Or they're not as big as these Russians. Mark Curtis is going to be the referee for this hideously meaningless match here as JL and Robert Gibson start lock up in a push up by Gibson pair of arm drags. Again, this Dusty here is still just vomiting out words. Well, JL mixed up good with him right there because he's a flyer too. He's very quick. Uses a lot of arrow maneuvers and Rock and Roll Express can do that, but they can also get on the mat. What they have that a lot of teams don't have is they have great recuperative power. You know what I mean? Sure. I've seen him so down to where it looks like you're going to step in and call this thing off. Uh, J.L. with a fireman's carry. He celebrates all proud block up again. Armringer by Gibson. Tag to Morton here. Fuckery by Morton. Tags Gibson back in. Taylor in. He eats the clothesline. Gibson misses a charge and rams the post while Taylor makes lemon faces. And this is where I came to the point where, and I'm going to need some help here from you yeah. out there with your ears, okay? 
But I honestly don't think this is Dusty Rhodes. I and listen, I Joe told me about this, right? I did. The uh, whole time I'm watching, he, I think you said it was in the first match. Just the first match. And I'm listening. I don't hear it. And I don't know if it's because like. Your speakers? Like, because I watched this on my main TV, which is the soundbar with the subwoofer. And sometimes like when you watch it that way, it like masks it. If you're yeah. watching with like headphones, maybe you hear that. Or or sometimes the mixing on Windows Media Player, because I know you watch it on your computer, is yes. a little off. Right. So maybe that's too. I'm telling you folks, it sounds like someone doing a parody of Dusty. Yeah. I'm going to put in some audio in a little bit and I'll compare it to the real Dusty, who is on this show. I know. I know yeah. that. Real. Yeah, it's not unusual to come and stop somebody. It's unusual to come and try to take over something like they have in the past. Possible impression. I know what Chad. I know where he's at. I what Chad is, but obviously he's uh, he's not he's not in this breakup. Real. So I see that. But anything else they do, you know, I, I just don't believe we. I mean, Eric was at the at a gun almost and said, "We got to get into these things." Possible impression. What a great look we had right there. Robert Gibson, them eyes were just focused. Looked like Mike Smith here. He used to play middle linebacker for the Bears. I yeah. mean, he was total focused in on doing some damage and evil deeds. For me to just think that, though, I don't know if I'm crazy or not. I need to know, folks. I don't know who in WCW did a Dusty Rhodes impression. I don't know if this ever happened before or again or if I'm just being nutty. The only Let thing me I, know. The only thing I can think of, Joe, is that it's Crispy Cruz doing it. He well, seems he was like the, still there. Yes, he's mentioned later. He is mentioned later. Yeah, he yeah. still he still worked there. So, folks, let me know. Anyway, double team by the heels and JL back in with the leg drop for two. Morgan gets the hot tag and the sunset flip, but Squire Dave with a kick. Irish whip by JL, leapfrog by Morton, and a very uninspiring double drop pick gets the win for the Rock and Rolls. Thankfully, good. Yeah, why? Yeah, I'm bother? just glad it's over. Yeah. I, honestly, I would have rather Scott Taylor JL won that. Yeah, Scott they, Taylor, Dave Taylor, da- whatever he is. Dave, <laughs> Dave. Does it matter? Dave the Squire Taylor. Remember when he, when he was in WWE in like 06? Yeah, <laughs> it, like I, I always thought that was like an odd addition. It was it, great to me. It's With like Finley? it's the WF version. Of, like, when the Quebecers went to WCW and you're like, this doesn't seem right. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? It was like, weird, right? Yeah, it's like that. <laughs> yep. And now Mark Merrow's uh, marvelous music fires up very stock yeah. for our Halloween Havoc report with Tony Schiavone. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, I'm about done watching now. Quinn, you could just take it from here. I love it. And Tony should really only do the control center for, like, Halloween Havoc everywhere because remember the time he was, like, a vampire? <laughs> Like, remember that? It's he like the, the, the slow door open, <laughs> yeah. and then they close it when the kids leave. Yeah. I, I feel like Tony Schiavone is Mr. Halloween Havoc. Yeah, he is. This is great. It's October 27th at 8 o'clock, and Tony hypes up the big main event of Hogan versus Savage. You know, that hot new match that we've never seen before, especially yeah. not one involving Miss Elizabeth. Yeah, the way Tony describes it, like, it's new. Like, yeah, He's he like, does. Everyone in the wrestling world is talking, what? What, you, what is this, 1989? From like, the moment Savage walked in the door of WCW in December of 94, the first words out of his fucking mouth were, I don't know if I like Hulk Hogan. Yeah. They, can we stop? Yeah. <laughs> they feud again in like 98 you know also. What, what makes this extra spooky? What? Is that Tony Schiavone is calling Hogan and Savage like so important. He was the guy like on <laughs> WWF when this feud was happening in 1989. He was there. Like It's like 
what is this mirror image that land or something? I yeah, don't understand. It's I don't weird. know. But anyway, it's WSW for you. Also, DDP is going to be defending his battle bull yes. ring against Eddie Guerrero. This is what I mean about filtering out the but, earlier. But this is the whole silent benefactor yeah, thing. No, this I know. Is, to me, this is a good old WSW yeah. thing. They're wrapping it up soon yeah. because DDP, we know what happens with him. Right. Plus, Lex Luger is going to take on Iron Anderson in the match that I don't remember. That, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, is that when Lex Luger stopped being like a fake heel? Yes, I guess, like, right around that yeah, time. So that's what it is. Yep. Uh, and also, the Giants going to be facing somebody, but it won't be the injured Ric Flair. Spoiler, it was Jeff Jarrett. <sighs> also, you can win a monster truck because that's a practical vehicle to own. <laughs> this portion- Imagine parking that like in your like in your neighborhood. Yeah. Like, it, it won't fit in the driveway. We got to park it on the side of the road or whatever. Hard enough parking a four-door sedan. Shit. Yeah. Uh, this portion of WW Main Event is brought to us by Snickers. Typical wrestling sponsor. Yep. Not going anywhere for a while. Yeah, it does certainly feel that way watching this. <laughs> Next up, WCW. What the big boys wear. The hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> that was that was because it was like the WCW announcer. What the big boys wear. WCW. What the big boys wear. Well, it's Deborah Quinn, Deborah yeah. Marshall here, McMichael selling shilling the blue denim nitro shirt. It's only thirty nine ninety five. Also, Mongo's there. I no, I was surprised she didn't try to sell her tiaras. So, because <laughs> let me let me, can I set the stage set here it. for this? So set it when they still he goes like what the big boys wear, right? And then it clips to Deborah, but it's only her face. Yeah, because, it's a, a close-up. And she's wearing, she's still wearing the tiara, right? So you think, oh, she's just in her usual Deborah with the gloves and the gown, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And then it, like, pans down, and she's like, I like my new WCW <laughs> Nitro denim shirt. And then... Mongo's well, awesome. So it, then the camera, like, moves out, and you realize Mongo's there, and he's like, look dapper, buy the shirt, baby! <laughs> like, it's, it's amazing. I love Mongo. He's so good! He's such a shit wrestler, but he's so lovable. He's great. He, I, we I, always I, say I it. love that Twitter account that's like, that's our Mongo. What a good name for, by oh, the way, God, for Oh, God, I love him. It, no, it's what will Mongo do next. Yeah, but... That's the, what it is. I think the, the nickname Oh, the handle is... is that's our <laughs> yeah, Mongo. Yeah, right. <laughs> He's great. Yeah. Uh, buy the shirt, baby! Yeah, yeah. You want to look good? You get the WCW denim shirt! He says dapper! <laughs> it's real. You want to look dapper, baby? Get the shirt! I love him. If you want to look dapper in denim, all you got to do is buy the shirt. Back to the crappy desk now with Tony and Brain. Brain looks so happy to be doing this stupid show. Shivani wants to now throw us to Nitro, where the tag champions Harlem Heat were called out by Scott Hall, who was very hilariously still doing the Razor voice. Oh, yeah. Even though this is fake Razor and like WWE oh, was yeah. pissed, he's like, Chico, <laughs> like blatantly. Oh, and oh, good. Larry Zabisco's on commentary. <laughs> and the New World Odor. God. He sucks. He's so bad. He's one of the reasons. He is one of the reasons why people thought WCW was lame in comparison to the NWO. Just because of him only. Yeah, because they have the outsiders and like all this stuff. You know what? You would think, right? Nitro, right? We want to put our best foot forward, right? On Monday nights, right? Why did they not in the first hour, you know how like it would be Zabisco and what, Tony? Tony. Yeah. Why didn't they put Dusty and Tony in the first hour? That would have been so So much much better. Oh my, I would have like ate up the first hour of Nitro. Hell like, yeah, man. It would have been amazing. Imagine all the shit Dusty would have like set, gotten a set, say on Nitro. It would have been so much better because yeah. with Zabisco, it's like you're just counting down until Bobby's there. Right, exactly. <laughs> with Dusty, you'd be like, I don't even want Dusty to leave. Yeah, like, right. Just bring in Bobby with him. Yeah. Because Zabisco's just tell- oh, these guys think they're so good. Shut the fuck up. I'd rather Dusty just be like, the clubbering. The yeah, club- the clubbering. The, 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 the 
just clubber him, Tony. Also, this whole clip is in black and white anyway. Booker lands a knee drop on Johnny Grunge, who had a chair on his knee. Neck brace, Nick Patrick counts the pin. I love Harlem Heat, though, so they, much. They are so good at this point. They felt like the only people, Joe, in the whole damn company telling the NWO to, like, fuck off. Yeah. And they use, like, chairs and shit for good measure, like, yeah. on faces. <laughs> But their faces? They're like, not faces. They have Colonel and Sherry. They're still heels. Okay. But wait, I thought they're in this weird, like, tweener face. Well, that's like, like all of 95 and 6. Yeah. They get cheered, but they're heels. Because remember, they, they exist in this weird space where, like, they have heel managers, but they don't like them or something. They you don't know? like Parker. They don't like Parker. They like Sherry. But sh- So Sherry's this also tweener. Like, it's weird. They're te- the thing with Harlem Heat is, like, from the beginning of 95 until yeah. basically 97, yeah. they're tweeners that are booked as heels, but the crowd likes. Right. That's what it is. So, so yeah, and the other thing that I just, I love how boldly they <laughs> yeah. don't give a fuck Book- about the NWO. Like, Booker's like, fuck you. Yeah, they, they're just like, oh, you want to threaten us? Here, we're going to kill Johnny Grunge <laughs> yeah. with a chair. Like, it's like, do not come over here. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I love it. Yeah. I absolutely love, I love Harlem Heat. Yeah, it's just they're this great carryover from the old WCW yep. that actually stands a fighting chance against the NWO. Like a legit chance. Like, you wouldn't fuck with them. Look at them! They're, like, <laughs> way bigger than them. Stevie Ray is a badass. Booker yeah. can wrestle. Yeah. They, they don't give a shit. They're awesome. Back to Tony and Bray now to hype up the Outsiders versus Harlem Heat for Halloween Havoc. Bobby says he's not surprised about any of this. He actually thinks the NWO is going to win the tag titles and take over. I love that he's just calling this shit now. Like, yeah. it's it's amazing. And they did do just that, as we all know. Uh, Brain then next says that Tony Schiavone <laughs> next week's going to wind up arm wrestling the camera crew and the makeup girl's going to be powdering his nose, but he's not going to have a nose because the NWO is going to rip off his nose and his ears. Right. <laughs> we then get a clip of Saturday night where Harlem Heat regained these tag titles from Public Enemy. It's really weird that they show this after they showed them. Yeah, what the was ta- that? Yeah, it's odd. And now the real Dusty is on commentary but for I sure. Don't, I don't know what Unmistakably Dusty. Yeah. Anyway, Johnny Grunge hits a neck breaker. I gotta say, and I know you had thoughts too, Quinn. Everyone on the hard camera side is standing, which gets in the way. What is this angle? It's like down, down in front. front. Like, like what? I don't understand what happened here. Like the did, cameras on the floor. So I don't. It's almost like somebody like forgot the thing that the camera stands the on platform. to be over the crowd. Yeah. So like the cameraman's in this like unenviable position where he's like holding it <laughs> above the crowd, but he's not tall enough either. You know what I mean? You like, just see people's asses. Yeah, and, and like he's trying to get over. Like you could tell the cameraman's like desperately trying to get the camera over these, and nobody will sit the hell down. And they're blocking the ring. Like it's not even like a big moment in the match. Like no. they're just everyone in this whole arena is standing for no reason. Very bush. Yeah. Anyway, Rocco Rocket now with a double bulldog on both Harlem. He he cleans some of the house. Moonsault on them both guys. Sloppily done by Rocco. Then he hits a big slam on Stevie Ray as Colonel Parker gets all antsy on the outside. So Sherry now gets on the apron and distracts neck brace Nick Patrick so Parker then takes that opportunity to hook Johnny Grunge's leg with his cane as Nick Patrick blatantly watches because remember Nick Patrick doesn't care anymore right yeah he's turning heel Booker then gets the win literally no one reacts whatsoever yeah, they just casually walk off with the belt they're like these these guys are going down sucker. <laughs> yeah, like, it's real. Like, they just like storm off with the belts like, yes like it was just like they were holding them because like we got well we, yeah if I recall they lost them because something why did Parker, they have that why the ass did public enemy have the tag belts first of all it was to put them over because they needed it when they first came in to be like a big deal 
They what? did. Like, no, remember, they were like, we're the party, you know, Discovery Zone team Kid or whatever. Play. Like, they, they weren't like the ECW. Discovery Because I'm, I'm trying to say they were, like, very kid-friendly. When they, they were. They were like, hey, we're good, we're good, yeah, we're good. Which was weird because in, in ECW, they were total badasses. So they and need, funny. They, like, desperately needed this tag title ring to make them a threat. And if I recall, this had something to do with, like, Sherry and Colonel Parker distractions again. And One like, of those, that, yeah. It's like, because Harlem Heat lost the tag titles, like, 600 times because of this thing. Yeah. Like, and they would just always regain it back, like, a week or two later. Yeah. Like, it was just constant. It was like, I think that was kind of what they were setting up, right? Is that, like, Harlem Heat, like, they're the best tag team. But their managers but are being fucking their, annoying. Their managers are tearing them down. So every couple weeks, they lose their belts and they have to go back and get them. And they do. Yeah. And eventually, they just dump both of them. Right. And yeah. it's over. Exactly. And then we get a shot of the outsiders in the crowd. And I fucking hate this, by the way. Doing this stupid wiggly fingers thing. Like, yeah. ooh. Which is a horrible way to get a fucking match over. But if you're just going to disregard your opponents. Right. Like I know they're heels, I understand that. But one of the great things about heels is that they sell a threat from their do you, opponents. Do you I feel hate like when in, people do that? I don't usually like it, but do you feel in this case? No, no, just no. Just hear me out. In this specific case, because Harlem Heat actually are badasses and can back it up, it makes the outsiders look like the ones that are like being dumb, like that they're mishandling the situation, like they are not taking Harlem Heat seriously and Harlem Heat are fucking badasses. I would only agree with that if Harlem Heat won. Right. And they didn't. And the outsiders had the tag titles for like seven years and WCW that's sucked. True. Yeah. Okay? That's if, my if point. If Harlem Heat had won the big showdown then and then then it's like, wow, they look really dumb. Like yes. they well, they shouldn't have like slept and maybe they won him later after Correct. they took them seriously. See, that's yeah. So I get your point, but yeah. it, it, I just hate when that happens. They kept Harlem Heat strong in that loss, by the way. They, they did. Lo- they lost because of the manager shit. Yeah, it was yeah. like the big heroic try. Yeah. They're just like, fuck the out, like enough of the outside. They, they have them like finish. <laughs> yeah. And then like Colonel Parker and Sherry fuck up. Mm. Like, yeah. Tonight on Saturday night, though, we're going to have Eddie Guerrero taking on Disco Inferno. I love the graphic Disco is holding a gold record. That literally never happened in the storyline. He wasn't even like a musician. No, he's not supposed to be. Like, they clearly, like, took a bunch of stills when they were, like, initially designing the character or whatever. Yeah, and, like, they just used that one for no reason. Like, it's, that's what it is. Yeah, he's just supposed to be a fellow that likes Disco. From the 70s. He's not a musician. He's a big fan. That's all it is. Also, Rough and Ready, I can't even remember who they are, but they're going to be taking on Harlem Heat. Why are they hyping jobbers? I love WCW. (laughs) Like, the fact that they're like, you're going to get to see Rough and Ready versus the the tag champions. They're the, like, I think they're like the cowboy team. I forget. I don't even remember. I think it's the Mauler and somebody. Is it really? It might be. That's great. Yeah. Uh, Plus, the Taskmaster will be in action. Speaking of early 96, Chris Jericho, who they're actually like that hot young sensation. Oh, he's very, like, hot young up-and-comer right yeah he's like, got the he's got the inspirational music yep, the, the lionheart yeah it's good jim duggan will be there hopefully mm-hmm. not no selling somebody and lex luger but first promotional consideration is paid for by iron and blood from acclaim a notably terrible game i think we've talked about how bad this game is yeah yep karate fighters tournament masters because wrestling and of course the famous electronic hot shot basketball no because again we've we always i think it's just because we watched so many things from 95 and 96 and it's always the same like six sponsors for like two years they get long deals with them and they keep renewing them probably back to shivani and brain here to recap nitro where arn anderson snuck up on lex luger and beat the crap out of him with a chair did anyone care about that i don't even remember this i don't either 
Because I thought Luger was like Jimmy Hart's friend or something. That's and over. Iron Anderson also. No, that's like, a, the Luger. Luger's a full fledged face now. Right. Ever since Sting. Right, right. Left and all that. It's just so confused. This this thing was so... Luger needed to get out of this stuff. Oh, God. Because like, Iron Anderson needed to go do his, like, I'm the leader of the horsemen, but I'm not. Like, I'm that, wearing a suit. Yeah, remember? Get on out here. Yeah, get on out here, Ric Flair. Iron is just about done wrestling. I mean, he, he formally... Did he have the injury yet? I don't know. He formally retires in August of 97, but he hadn't wrestled since, I want to say... October or December of 96 there was very close to the end. There was this period where I believe he got hurt and they didn't know what he was doing. Like right, they, right. they weren't sure if he was going to return or not. And when he came back, he retired. Right, that's yeah. what it was. I think that's what was going on here. Yep. They were trying to figure it out, basically. Yep. I do like this. Pee Wee Anderson does like the big try to get the chair away from Arn, which yeah. is awesome. Mark Curtis then runs in along with Nick Patrick, who like half-assedly tries to break it up because right, right. he doesn't care. Bobby puts it all over on commentary because Bobby is good. He's uh, still good. He's not like not trying right. at this point. See, during Arn Anderson's match, that's what Luger should have done. But Luger didn't do it. He doesn't have that inside of him. Back to the table now again, where Bobby's had enough of everything. Very similar to me. He basically says WWE is stupid for fighting with each other instead of the NWL. It's like <laughs> he's right. It, it is, um, but like <laughs> right. it's also like that's also the storyline in general right now. Is that the reason? Like the, this is the whole thing that they tried to like in '96. Like initially, they tried to act like the reason WCW is suffering so bad is to the NWO is because they're all fighting each other, yeah, right? They can't like, get their shit together, right? But like the problem with this is that they never resolved the WCW fighting with each other thing. So like it just ended up like the NWO bad. just took over. It's very very yeah. bad. Yeah, it really they did not know where to go. Like what should have happened was that shit should have been settled like at Starcade. All the WCW guys like resolve their crap. And uh-huh. then going into 97, they're like, we're united front uh-huh. again against NWO. Instead, they bring out Roddy Piper and a bunch of jobbers. Yeah. He's like, oh, my team is going to beat the NWO. Yeah, it was bad. Tony Schiavone says it'll be a good match, though. OK, Meltzer, yeah. who gives a shit? We're falling apart. Yeah, but you got to admit, it's going to be a good matchup. Uh, no, what do you mean? Good match? Shut up. <laughs> match. Now, we get, <laughs> match. now we get a clip from Pro Glass. So we're really just playing the hits today, Quinn. Yeah. Pro now, last These are Sunday. all the shows I love. I know. Yeah. Where unfortunately, Larry is on commentary with Lee Marshall and Dusty. I don't even know what's going on. Arn's taking a Bobby Eaton. First thing we hear when we like, get into this clip is Dusty just yells, Alabama! Yeah. Like, like, and then the Alabama! And, and as soon as I hear it, I'm like, oh, great. Yeah. Like, I'm home. Dusty. Like, it's, Dusty will fix... Even Larry's shittiness is, like, negated by Dusty because it's Dusty's true. so good it's true alabama uh referee is uh uh, i don't know who that is that keith hart who was the referee i don't know eaton Eaton, who's still there by the way with a neck breaker he heads up for the alabama jammer but dave taylor now (laughs) runs in because reasons is he friends with what is this Uh, this this exemplifies to me that the jobbers have storylines right it's incredible it's amazing uh the ref literally does nothing for like a full minute before finally calling the dq Oh, I know what it is. Taylor beats down Eaton. I guess maybe they're mad at Eaton for leaving the blue bloods or some shit. It's gotta be. Again, this is why WCW is fun. Jobbers have, like, actual, like, long-term storylines. It's incredible. Yeah, it is. Yeah, because it must have been, right? Because he was the Earl of Eaton. Because, yeah, I was surprised when he was fighting Iron that he was the sloppy Bobby Eaton. Yeah, the older version. Yeah, I was like, oh, that makes sense why Dave Taylor's mad at him. Yeah. Back to Shivani now. 
On the next WCW Pro, we're going to see Rick Steiner taking on Scotty Norton. Get excited. High voltage versus the American males. Mm-hmm. Plus DDP, again, still all grungy and heelish. In the old gear. Yeah, yeah. in the graphic. And uh, Kurosawa, if you care. He's still employed. <laughs> He's not in NWO Japan yet or whatever. Not yet. A little later. A hideous promo now for the WCW power plant. Life magazine called it (laughs) the Harvard of professional wrestling. Shut the fuck up. Get the hell out of here. Like what? That pisses me off. I know they put that quote in something else. Yes, we've seen it. It's so annoying because it isn't. Good morning, America. Quinn called it. This is the place to learn it all. And it'll help you reach your potential. Train your body. Work on your moves and be your best. Everyone from it sucked, Joe. Like, what? What are they talking about? Like, this is like you want to be Sergeant Craig Pittman, like a Buddy Lee Parker, Jack Boot, or whatever. Yeah, it's horrible. Like, it's like notably shitty. Like Glacier. Like, I love Glacier, but, like... He's not good. Yeah, he's not good. Goldberg, now, before anyone's like, oh, Goldberg... Yeah, but he wasn't a good wrestler. Yeah, it's not like... He's notably not. It's not like Highway Patrol taught him, like, good things there, you know? (laughs) It's true. I know. And now we get the the on-the-road report for 1-800-COLLECT with... Mike today? What, did he get demoted? Or This is usually Lee Marshall, like, I'm sitting in my hotel room for a week. I think, uh, Weasel, Weasel out of this one. Ho, ho, ho! Yeah. I think the thing is, is that since Lee Marshall is, like, the announcer for the show, technically... Do you think they actually... Could you, I'm serious. I, I, this is so WCW that they, on their, like, on main event that doesn't yep. fucking matter, nope. that they would go through the uh-huh. entire trouble of having Tanae record, like, yeah. with a phone filter on, uh-huh. like, to... <laughs> No, I'm serious. You know, this is the th- reason why I love the WCW minor shows. Yes. I, I think I noted this a couple weeks ago about how they care so much right. about everything outside of Nitro. Absolutely. And it's so great. Yep. Like, I, I, it's it's fantastic. I 100% guarantee you that the reason they have today doing this one is because Lee Marshall is the house announcer for the show, so he can't be on the road. The He's in the arena announcing. about that is incredible. But all he does, by the way, is say that oh, everything's confusing right now. We're going to find out more about Savage and Liz one day. No weasel joke, which was is, which would have made sense too, with because brains in the in the room, so he's theoretically listening to this. Oh, he could have reacted to yeah. it. You're right. Uh, but we go back to the desk where Bobby is now reading the newspaper. Right. And to be fair to Bobby, the only reason he's reading the newspaper is because smartphones didn't exist yet, right, or he'd have a tablet too. or something. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Tony Schiavone says that Hogan versus Savage will be the biggest title match ever in the history of our sport. The biggest world title match ever in the history of our sport. That's a Tony line right yeah, there. Very. Uh, he finally calls out Bobby on reading the paper, and Bobby's doing this to help him. He's reading yeah. classifieds. He's trying to get Shivani a new job. Even Shivani laughed. Yeah. See, Bobby's like, no, I'm fine. You know, I got money and stuff, yeah. but you need one, got Tony. got money, yeah. you know, member toilet paper, a sock or a whatever. Sock. We now get a weird video package of Hollywood Hogan, a big asshole, and literally, it's mainly just him looking mean and using spray paint sometimes. <laughs> we really need a vague video package, like, to explain this. Like, it's, there's not even, like, talking. No. It's just, like, sinister music as he's, like, doing things, and they're, like, phasing from, like, when he was red and yellow to, yeah. like, black and white. It's stupid. What was the point of it? I don't know. It's just, like, Hulk Hogan is a bad man. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, in case you haven't been watching the last three yeah, months. Yeah, it's, like, only the biggest thing in all of wrestling. Yeah. Right. Just in case. It's not like the regular news, yeah. probably. Uh, back to Tony, who actually has a very funny line. To say Hulk Hogan is now bad would be an understatement. 
Horrible, I guess, would be the word. <laughs> Funny. Shivani then says it was very apparent that Liz had signed some deal with the NWO, but still has feelings towards her ex-husband. Again, Joe, nobody understands no. what this is, and it's never explained. WCW in a nutshell yeah. for you. Bobby agrees, but says that Hogan has gotten into her mind somehow. Um, okay. Okay. Uh, we now get the highly necessary WCW <laughs> Motorsports Report. Where the WCW car crashed recently. <laughs> I literally like that got a great Me laugh. Too. I was just like, because they were all excited. Then they're like, and it's WCW motorsport. WCW car crash. It's like, <laughs> it's real. What? Like, it's real. What? Randy Savage was on hand and he said the NWO car sucked. But the Slim Jim car uh, did really good. Right after he says that, they're like, it finished 10th. I'm like, what a winner. Yeah, like, it's like, I was like, well, it's in like the top three or something, right? You know, 10th. 10th. Now, I need to know. I really do. For you fans out there, particularly in the NASCAR belt, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, Where territory. It's like big over there. Right. Because right. it's not here in Jersey, and I'm nope. not going to pretend it is. Yeah, nobody cares here. But I know that it is in the South, and I'm not besmirching that. Right. It's like a legitimate sport there. It, yeah. Uh, did anyone care about that? And I'm not saying that derogatorily, but like, if you were a NASCAR fan that also liked wrestling, did you care about the WCW car, the NWO car, the Slim Jim car? And the reason I'm asking is I literally have no perspective. My my guess actually is that if you're like, like in all seriousness, like if you're like a NASCAR fan, right? right. Why would you be okay with like other like things that are not NASCAR like coming in and like getting their own car? Isn't it like a prestigious thing to get your own car? I don't know. Like, I don't I, know. I would think it would cost a lot of money. It'd be like it'd be like if like WCW went to MLB and they're like, we're starting our own baseball team. And it's all like just these like people from Atlanta that like couldn't make the regular MLB, but it's like because yeah. they paid a bunch of money, right? Right. Like they get like the WCW baseball team. That's funny, it's like, man. But that's what I feel like it is with it's NASCAR. Equivalent. Like, it's like bullshit, right? You might be right. Yeah, I want to know. I really do want to know. So if anyone out there listening is a NASCAR fan and followed it in the 90s, I really do want to know the answer to that. I'm not trying to be mean or anything. Uh, All weekend, though, on TBS, we're going to get some Saved by the Bell, some Saved by the Bell college years. And Kelly looking so hot. like college years? Oh, yeah. Okay, in the movie with that weird short hair, bad. Her 90210 hair. But, but, oh, my God, the the, the medium-length one pristine yeah great uh, plus on tbs they're gonna be showing saved by the bell hawaiian style and saved by the bell wedding in vegas wow all this shit in one weekend that's I, a good weekend I, man. I would keep this on Hell actually. Yeah. yeah anyway back to the main event where tony shivani says there's been a breath of fresh air in wcw his name is jeff jarrett please stop why is every company like fawn over this loser like <laughs> why do they care like seriously like he is so bad like and both of them <laughs> Both of them are like, we need Jeff Jarrett. They're like, they're like drooling over him. WWF cared so much that he left that they brought in Jesse James as Double J and they showed yeah. the foot. Like, they actually cared. They're right. like, no, fuck you. And we're going to expose you. Meanwhile, WCW's like, oh my God, we got him. We got him. Like, this is going to turn the tide. Like, no one cares. Not a single person who watches either company cares. I'm just saying. True. Tony's like, oh, he's a really great wrestler. And then they try to play him up as this, you know, this traditionalist in the pattern of Buddy Rogers, the Briscoes, Pat O'Connor. It's Jeff Jarrett. (sighs) Bobby's like, yeah, it reminds me of Lefty the Neck. (laughs) Whatever that. And then brings up Don King for no reason. Anyway, we throw to Nitro. 
where Jeff Jarrett debuted wearing his stupid strappies. Now, he looks terrible in the all white with the black boots, almost like the boots, like he lost his white boots, like <laughs> in the traveling. Yeah, like, in the from, traveling. Like, from Connecticut down to Atlanta. Like he like, it's like, oh, fuck, I forgot him at the Connecticut offices. Is I can't go back. Yeah. I don't work there anymore. You know, so he like went to like some local wrestling like equipment store. Maybe went to the power plant. Yeah. Can you, you guys have some boots in my size? Yeah, what's, black, your, what's your size? Oh, we only got black. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I am of the opinion, Quinn, that Jeff Jarrett would have been 30% better in WCW if he had debuted wearing different attire. Yes. That, I, I, he he, fi- he fixed it when he went back to WF, like like after like a couple months with the crappy attire again. Well, he had the Aztec Warrior attire first. That was it, the first attempt. But then the strappies. Once he settled on just like the biker shorts. Much better. Much better for him. The much attire better, held him back. Yeah, yeah, it really did. The short hair with the sunglasses and the biker shorts, that's the Jeff Jarrett good attire. Much better. But anyway, he gets a dropkick on Hugh Morris for two. Literally nobody can cares at all like nobody i know no one likes jeff jarrett big power slam by hugh crowd cheers <laughs> like hugh morris is supposed to be a heel in like the dungeon of doom and they're like yeah is he completely is completely irrelevant by this point <laughs> but they're like fuck this jeff jarrett guy uh, like we, we don't like him yeah uh anyway hugh goes up for a big fat leg drop that misses so jarrett then puts on the figure four for the win what a waste of time. I agree. Yeah, Jeff Jarrett, he'll definitely save WCW from the NWO. Also, his music sucks yeah. ass. Uh, you didn't like the Mario Kart, like, um, fucking, what's the Yoshi stage? Get out of here. Yeah. Today, slap that figure four on. Now he's going to do a little strutting. Tony then interviewed Jarrett on the ramp, and he's like, hey, are you in the NWO? I can tell you no, because the NWO is way better than him. <laughs> yeah, Jarrett's like, no. Also, yeah. fuck Hulk Hogan. And the crowd... To show their appreciation for the newcomer, Jeff Jarrett, Mm -hmm. they're chanting for the NWO. Uh, In the meantime, Jarrett's bringing up this tradition and the history again. Nobody cares because once again, it's Jeff Jarrett. No one cares. no, No one cares. He says Hulk Hogan and the NWO can stick it. That's riveting. On the next Nitro, the faces of fear. Yes, they're going to be taking on Harlem Heat. Ric Flair is going to be there even though he's injured. Plus, Randy Savage will be there and also... Jeff Jarrett. But next up, Quinn, it's our feature match. I don't want to spoil it, though. It's a feature match. It's a doozy, buddy. It's a humdinger. It is. First, though, we have a Valvoline bumper. Randy Savage loves Slim Jims. Also, if you're wiring money, do it with money, Graham, not with fucking Western Union, you prick. Didn't they, like, dump water on some lady? Yeah, like, but you get all wet. You take yeah. a bath. Oh. You, you take a bath. What? See, we're literally taking a bath. Get it's it? like sitting in a bathtub. <laughs> Way to take that expression, like, way too way literally. Too literally. Uh, Tony Schiavone now comes back and says, there's a big rumor from insider Mike Tanay, I'm not <laughs> kidding, about a new Horseman member. Who the hell is going to call about that in 1996? Like, on the I'm, not, I'm not paying $1.50 for that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I want to hear about the NWO yeah. or something. Horseman. Yeah. Also, who's it going to be? Oh, gee, I don't know. Maybe the new guy that literally just joined the company as not in the NWO yeah. and rambled about tradition. Maybe him. Yeah, it, it, that they just showed. Yeah. Exactly. Like, way to like show your hand. They should have like at least separated this. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? God. But now, finally. Our feature match. First, it's the Disco Inferno. <laughs> Discoing his way out, all happy. In the early white suit, the more like John Travolta, yep. like Bee Gees thing going Saturday on. Saturday Night Fever yeah. style. He would later right. change it to a leopard print, different stuff, orange. Yeah, like 97 Black shirt. Yep. Yeah. Now, Lee Marshall is here again with the actual Dusty Rhodes. I know that. Now, <laughs> Disco's opponent, folks, to very generic rock music, which is very fitting for him, is the one. The only Jim Powers. 
Amazing. Dusty calls him a veteran, (laughs) but like he's supposed to be young and up and comer. Like, I'm serious. No, I know. There's this weird, like, I think Dusty fucked up with it, which is right. By telling the truth. Yeah. like (laughs) uh, He's a veteran. It's been around for for years. I was in WFT. He was already there. Yeah. It was already like deep pushed when Dusty was there. It's amazing. And now Power Seer is managed by Teddy Long, because I guess that's necessary. I really don't remember this happening at all. Neither me. I I just thought he was like on the beach with Alex Wright at this point. Yeah, of course. And Joe Gomez. Yeah, the young up and comers. Yes. Uh, Power has stupid tights on and really long hair and also steroids. And then this. This is the best. Just after Dusty said that. Yeah. Right. Lee Marshall literally says, Young Jim Powers. Young Jim Powers under the tutelage of Teddy. He's 38. <laughs> literally 38. Not even this, joking. Like, this is always one of my favorite up-and-comer pushes because it's just so wrong. I know. Like, he's legit 38. Yeah. it's He's like t- at the tail end of his career. Yes. So we get a bell here as Dusty and Lee Marshall just tinker around because seriously, it's a Jim Powers match. Dusty all randomly. Look at this. Yeah. Like in the middle of the match. Doesn't like care. Somebody does like a hip toss <laughs> or something. <laughs> Uh, side headlock by Jimmy into a hammerlock back to the headlock down. Disco pushes out but fa- falls to a shoulder block. Powers off the ropes, leapfrog by Disto, and a monkey flip. But Powers nails a boot to the face. Neck brace, uh, Patrick here is our referee as Dusty starts talking about his own mom. She hates Chris Cruz, daddy. Like, yes, what is like, that? Ra- he goes on like a rant about like why she hates Chris Cruz <laughs> and all this crap. It's funny. Crispy Cruz. Crispy Cruz. I know this is the real Dusty. That guy in the beginning is an imposter. I don't know what you're talking telling about. Telling you. Irish whip by Powers reverse. Duck under by Powers. Nice crossbody by Powers gets two. Back elbow by Disco. Side headlock and a punch combo as Dusty now accuses Nick Patrick of being the type of guy, you know, you get rear-ended, you put on a neck brace. You know what I'm saying? I love Dusty so much. Me too. I love him. Love like, him. He, he makes hay out of every single like possible thing hey yeah hey like he makes a big deal about it is that a expression yeah he makes hay are you sure yeah dusty dusty's a big hay maker (laughs) he he makes a lot of hay (laughs) elbows and punches now by disco some stomping in the corner disco then stops to fix his hair very important and to pose so powers just like fuck you lands a few chops disco with a boot spinning back elbow off the ropes gets a one count for disco this is actually a pretty good match it's good (laughs) it is fine dead serious chin lock on the mat by disco now is teddy long crappily pounds on the mat which riles up like 11 people (laughs) they're like who's jim powers like by all of them they're like we want disco (laughs) yeah i know uh disco with a corner whip reversed up on the ropes in a disco pose by disco inferno but he turns right around into a punch from powers powers then rams disco into the turnbuckle 10 times which disco sells like hunky i love it it's it's great he kind of is an updated hunky yeah he really is he really is he's just a generation later i always like this guy he's fine he's a guy that's like you just want him to work out in the business for just because he's just enjoyable whenever i see him I like him. As far as wrestling, it, like wrestling and the business is concerned, he's great. Like, crowd I, psychology. Yeah. Uh, Irish whip and a knee lift by Powers here. Nick Patrick, though, gets right in the middle of Powers trying to punch Disco. So Teddy Long gets all huffy, hops on the apron. And in the midst of all that, Didi, Disco takes a very mediocre power slam by Jimmy Powers to get the win. So wait a sec. Is Jim heel? Because no. like Teddy Long got involved. Like No, no. Uh, like it was, this was so confusing. Like he was like distracting the ref or something. Disco was a face by this point, unless um He was? Disco? Yes. He was a face by by the end of ninety six. Oh. I thought he was still like He's like a tweener, but firmly face firmly heel at this no, point. No, not yep. by the end of ninety six. Powers was a face too. I don't know what this was, but anyway, I'm happy for the youngster getting the big win there. And he was in the feature match That's on it, main event. That's right. It's, it's got a main event in the name, and he's in the main event. 
You got it, Quinn. Uh, back to Tony and Brain, where Shivani tries to give Savage a pep talk. Yeah, I'm sure Randy Savage is sitting down watching this show. Uh, Bobby Bobby is awesome here, though. He butts in. He cuts Shivani off. He's like, look, Savage, just get more twisted than usual. You got to beat Hogan. The only way to stop the NWO is to stop Hulk Hogan. Who cares about what happened with Liz? Yeah. Fuck Liz. Fuck Flair. Just beat Hogan because everything is on the line. We need to keep our jobs. Like, yep. basi- That's basically what he's saying. And like, he's right. He's like, we need Savage to win here why was bobby like secretly like the best part of this whole build because he's he's the only like character that seems to understand what's actually going on and the rest of them are just like iron anderson and lex (laughs) luger are fighting blah blah blah. that's good yeah like you know like here's jeff jarrett yeah Yeah. fuck off it seems like everyone but bobby doesn't have their eye on the ball like (laughs) bobby's like afraid for his life over here and the rest of them are just like oh they'll get to it like, yeah. they, you know what I mean? They'll eventually beat them because we got fucking Sting and shit. Yeah, like, and you Bobby's know. like, look, they're taking over everything. Can somebody do something, please? Yeah, Bobby's like panicking over here. Yeah, and as we fade away here, Bobby's looking through the paper for Shivani. He's like, Shivani, do you ever dress like an otter? <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> it's, this is like after they like sign off. Yeah, like as they're ma- fading. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I have no opinion of the show. It was I, fine. I like this just because it was goofy. It's okay. Like, it was just, it was, to me, it was like fun WCW where they don't... Yeah. Listen, I like these sideshows because they're trying, but they're not. They're all, all at the same time. They're trying, but they're not trying. They're like, not really. Like we said, like with the like, why do they care if Tanae is on the fucking yeah, thing I love that. or whatever, I love that. like that, the Lee Marshall thing. But it's just this, it's this double effort going on here that I always like about these shows. I agree. And I think it's a nice glimpse into what was going on as the NWO was actually a really hot angle had not run its course yet. No, was it's not stale. It's like, it's very much in the phase of like everyone's guessing what's going to happen yeah. next like they like the hotline matters the reason why they can shill the bullshit that they're shilling on it is because people really want any taste of like who's in the nwo yeah because like yeah. yeah they brought in dibiase yeah. and virgil right. i mean a lot of stuff had happened so yeah overall believe it or not folks this is good yeah. i'm not gonna lie it's yeah. a good snapshot into what was going on and uh thank you richard for finding it for us thanks for Qu- thanks quinn for picking 1996 it's a great year for wcw it is and thank you folks for being with us here as we've romped you through the world of retro wrestling yet again for another week of course we will be back next week to kick off august for 187 in the meantime be sure to follow us on twitter at ovp podcast shoot us an email at ovp podcast at gmail.com Leave us a review, please, if you could. Do that on Apple Podcasts, iTunes. We'd really appreciate that. And again, if you want all the extra stuff and want to support OVP, you can do that on Patreon, patreon.com slash OVP podcast. But until next week, until next time, I'm Joe Morata. That's Michael Quinn. And we're getting out of here. See ya. I want to say something here to the Macho Man, Randy Savage. Two weeks away now from Slim Jim's Halloween Havoc. You got to get your world in order. You got to get this thing with Miss Elizabeth solved and get ready to go up against Hulk Hogan. One, what, what's wrong with you? What? He, Tony, he don't have to get this thing with Miss Elizabeth solved now. He can do it down the road or he don't ever have to do it. What he has to get solved now is he has to get himself ready for Hulk Hogan. He's got to get his twisted little mind more twisted than it's ever been before. You see, Hogan... Hogan has a WCW title, and the only way to stop the NWO is to stop Hulk Hogan. And Savage is the only man to do it. Forget about his love affair with Elizabeth. Forget about how she ripped him off and took all his money and went and gave it to Ric Flair. Forget about buying flowers and candy. Think about Hulk Hogan. Our jobs, our careers at stake. I don't care anything about your love affair, your whatever kind of puppy love you're involved in. Hey, man. Hey, man. Hey, man. Hey, man.